the 23rd regular meeting of the Memphis City Council. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Present. Councilor Falco. Present. Vice President Knight. Present. Councilor Marks. Present. Councilor Morell. Present. Councilor Scarpelli. Present. President Caraviello. Seven in the affirmative motion. Please rise and salute the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, liberty, justice for all. Okay. Pursuant to Governor Baker's <clears throat> March 12, 2020 order suspending certain provisions <clears throat> of the open meeting law, chapter 38, section 18, and the governor's March 15, 2020 order imposing strict limitation on the number of people that may gather in one place. This meeting of the Nefert City Council will be, will be conducted by a remote participation to the greatest extent possible. Specific information and general guidelines for the remote participation by members of the public and or parties with a right of requirement to attend this meeting can be found on the City of Medford website at www.method.org. For this meeting, members of the public who, who wish to listen or watch the meeting may do so by, ac by accessing the meeting link contained herein. No in-person attendance of members of the public will be made, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public can adequately access the meetings in real time by a technological means. In the event we're able to do so, despite best efforts, we will post on the City of Medford or Medford Community Media website an audio or video recording transcript or other comprehensive record of the proceedings as soon as possible after the meeting. Okay. Mr. President, motion to suspend the rules to take paper 21396 out of order. On uh, the motion by Vice President Knight to, to suspend the rules to take paper what was that 21396? That is correct, sir. 21396 out of order. Second and by. Second. Second, Second by Council Scott Pelly. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. <coughs> Council Bears. Yes. Council yes. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morell. Yes. Council Scott Yes. President Carabiello. Yes. Seven for motion passes. 21396 offered by Councilor Marks and Council Falco. Be it resolved that Medford High School student athlete Kaylee Laylaw be recognized for her hard work and determination for being the first female player on the Method High School JV baseball team. Councilor Marx. Thank you, Mr. President. It's an honor and a pleasure to rise here tonight uh, to recognize one of Method's finest that we have in the audience tonight. Kaylee, can you stand up, please? Mr. President, uh, as early as age five, Kaylee used to play baseball, t-ball, in the backyard uh, with her grandpa, Papa, and that's uh, Richard Laidlaw. And uh, as early as age five, Kaylee used to say to her grandpa, someday I want to play baseball for Method High School. And her grandpa, like every other grandpa, would say, okay, maybe someday you'll pay, you'll play baseball and used to tap her on the shoulder and say, maybe someday you'll play. And then uh, Kaylee, knowing that she was ambitious and wanted to uh, succeed, uh, spent countless hours practicing and honing in our skills at Gillis Park. While other kids were out doing different things, Kaylee was down there with an instructor, learning how to catch, hit, run, the fundamentals of baseball, Mr. President.
It was her dream to play baseball at Method High School. Through hard work and determination, Kaylee earned a spot on Method High School baseball team, breaking the glass ceiling for many other young women becoming the first female to play Method High School JV baseball. I'm offering a motion tonight, Mr. President, requesting that the City Council recognize Kaylee Laylaw for her dedication and commitment by issuing a formal council accommodation, recognizing her first of a kind accomplishments in this community. Also, Mr. President, I would like to recognize at this time, we have not only Kaylee here, but we have the entire baseball team. How often do you see an entire team, Mr. President? I think it speaks volumes for the camaraderie and the feelings that all the players have for each other and the fact that they have these same feelings for Kaylee and honor Kaylee. So if the baseball team could please stand up. Come on, everyone stand up. I was also told, Mr. President, from uh, Gino Simone, who's the coach in the back, and the one thing he said, please don't have me speak. <laughs> so I know he's a man of few words, but carries a big stick. And I understand that. So we're not going to have Gino speak. But Gino has done a tremendous job as coach of the JV team. He's done a tremendous job bringing in uh, this group of kids, uh, Mr. President, their record's two, three, and one, and I know they're going to only get better as the year goes on. But, you know, on a good piece, Mr. President, uh, they just had a game against Lynn Classical, and Kaylee hit a double, bringing in two runs, Mr. President, which won them the game. So, so I, I think, Mr. President, what we see here tonight is really uh, a group of kids getting together, banding together, being able to uh, accomplish goals, Mr. President, goals in which unite everyone as a community. And now more than ever, I think we need to look to this team as leaders, Mr. President, in a community that I believe is currently divided over a lot of different issues. And here we have youngsters that are saying how it is to work together. No matter who you are, let's work together. Let's unite for a common goal. And we're seeing that tonight here with these players, Mr. President. I want to thank the coach. I want to thank the team. I want to thank Kaylee. And last but not least, Kaylee's family, Mr. President. Because without that support at home, and the parents that drive, a lot of the parents are here tonight. I see them in the back row. They're the ones that get the kids back and forth. They're the ones that go out and get the equipment when needed. They're the ones that take the Saturday nights, the Sundays, the Monday practices, the Tuesday, the Wednesday. They're the ones that put in the hard work as well. So this is truly a family effort, Mr. President. So on behalf of this council, I'd like to personally, I know my colleagues have things to say. I'd like to personally thank uh, the Laidlaw family. I'd like to congratulate Kaylee. I'd like to congratulate the team, the coach, Method Sports in general, uh, Mr. President all the student athletes, and I would ask that uh, we send out a council accommodation and also take a team picture 
as well as a picture with Kaylee and her family once the council is done uh, giving their accolades, Mr. President. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor. Councilor Falco. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Councilor Marks, as a co-sponsor of this uh, uh, this resolution. Uh, this is I'm very proud to be part of this uh, offering a resolution, and um, I'm really, really proud of uh, Kaylee on this accomplishment. I've known Kaylee for many years. Uh, she lives a few doors down from my house. She's uh, I'm seeing her in the neighborhood as a as a little kid, and my uh, my son Jack played baseball with Kaylee throughout the years, and uh, to see her uh, progress. Uh, over time, you know, playing uh, at Gillis Park, where I, I feel it was like a second home for many years, uh, it's remarkable to see, you know, the commitment, the energy, the dedication, the perseverance, and always wanting to do better. And I saw that firsthand, and you, you really knew uh, from early on that she was she was a remarkable baseball player, and still is. And uh, to see that firsthand was really something special. And uh, I want to congratulate you on this accomplishment. Uh, you know, Councilor Marks hit it on the head. You know, it takes, a support, takes support from everyone, um, especially supportive family to get you to practices, to help you practice, to always be there for you. But you take a look at the greater baseball community that is here tonight and coming together and supporting everyone. And that's what it comes down to. It comes to support. And you're right. This community is fractured in many ways. But this here is nice to see people coming together, supporting one another, being there for one another. To take a look at all these baseball faces that I haven't seen in quite some time. And it really brings a smile to my face to see what we can be as a community. And Kaylee, thank you for uh, all of your hard work, your dedication. I wish you well and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Council Scrappelli. Thank you, Mr. President. And uh, I congratulate Kaylee. I think this is a, an unbelievable accomplishment. I've watched Kaylee play um, as a coach and member of uh, North Method Board and uh, Method Little League and watch the commitment of her mom and her family. And um, it's amazing to see, this is, what, this is what Method's all about. This is why people move to Medford. Um, coach um, Lonigal, Coach Azzarello, um, Coach Simone, Coach Quinlan, uh, Coach Bell that's not here. I know that uh, Coach Nesta, when he was here, one thing you knew about the baseball team, they always took care of each other. If one of their kids passed away, uh, one of their grandparents or teammates, grandparents passed away, you know this team would always rally around each other. What you're seeing tonight is exactly what Council Marx brought up. This is what we need, a diverse group of kids that love each other, love Medford, and want to support each other no matter what. As a former softball coach at Medford High School, I'm sure, Kaylee, you've gotten the phone calls, right? Geez, uh, you should be playing softball. And it takes a strong person to do what you're doing. You stepped up. You had a dream. You've had coaches that believed in you, teammates that believed in you, parents and grandparents that believed in you. And the biggest, most important piece of this, Kaylee, you believed in yourself and you went out and did something special. So this is what it's all about. This is what, this is what makes Medford great. And uh, I'm proud to be uh, a parent of, of a baseball player. I'm proud of a lot of these young men and women that are here because I've watched them all grow up. And to be there is so important. Don't ever forget that because that's, that's important. Always support the people around you when they need you. So, Kayla, congratulations and keep up the good work, Method Mustangs. That's amazing. Thank you. Vice President Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Um, first of all, Kayla, congratulations. Um, although I didn't have the opportunity to be on the board in the North Method Little League or watch you play, play wiffle ball in the backyard uh, with your grandfather, I did have the opportunity to watch you coach my son in uh, T-ball last year. 
and you did a hell of a job. Um, you know, the Orioles were the best T-ball team in uh, Memphis Little League last year because um, they can't lay their mark. So let me tell you, uh, we did it. We, we had a great year. We had a great season. Um, but it's very flattering um, and quite humbling to see someone at such a young age uh, pursue something that they love against all odds and be so successful. And really, Kelly, uh, this is a great achievement that you should be proud of. And I just want to uh, say congratulations. Thanks. And we hope to have you back on the T-ball field next year coaching. Hudson <laughs> Morrell. Thank you, Mr. President. Yeah, Kaylee, I just want to echo my colleagues and say that this is a tremendous accomplishment that you should absolutely be proud of that you've, um, you've really earned. And I'm so heartened to see your whole team here to support you and, of course, your family. Um, and it's really incredibly admirable to pursue what you're passionate about, um, regardless of the barriers. And I think that's something everyone, a lesson we could all learn. So I hope you will keep chipping at that glass ceiling for all of us. Um, and congratulations on this accomplishment. Thank you. Talk some Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, I don't think I could say it any better than my colleagues have already, but um, it really is a fantastic accomplishment. And it's ex especially great to see uh, the team spirit and see so many people here tonight with you, uh, supporting you. Um, so I'm excited to see what you continue to do as you continue to grow as a player. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bates. And uh, for myself, uh, you know, being the parent of a, of a student athlete in the past, um, I know the dedication it takes the parents that do this every week and, and for a young woman like Kaylee uh, to overcome the odds uh, of doing what she did is, a, is a, an achievement in itself. So again, I want to thank you for myself, but again, uh, thank you all, all your team players who are here to support you, your parents who will put in the time, take you to practice every week and drive you here and there. And thank you to everybody. Again, thank you to the team and the coaches, everybody for the support that you've given this young lady. Yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, yes, we're uh, so on the motion by Councilor Marx, seconded by uh, Councilor Falco. Mr. Kirk, please call the roll. Councilor Bears, yes. Councilor Falco, yes. Vice President Knight, yes. Councilor Marks, yes. Councilor Morell, yes. Councilor Scarpelli, yes. President Cur President Carabiello, yes. Motion passes. On uh, the motion by Councilor Marx for a uh, for uh, a brief recess. recess. For, uh, for a brief recess, seconded by Councilor Belco. Mr. Clark, please call the roll. Council Pierce. Yes. Council Belco. Yes. 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 Yes.
revert back to regular business. Okay. 21397, offered by Council Max, by Council Marx, be resolved that Methods heroine of the American Revolution, Sarah Valley Fulton, be recognized for her courage and outstanding achievements, and be further resolved that the city of Method declare a day in early October as Sarah Bradley Fulton Day. Council Marx. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Uh, again, it's with great honor that I rise here tonight uh, to bring up uh, a former uh, resident of this community, Mr. President, uh, Sarah Bradley Fulton. Sarah lived from 1740 to 1835 and was Method's heroine of the American Revolution, often called the mother of the Boston Tea Party. As she came up with the idea to disguise the Sons of Liberty as Mohawk Indians and helped her Boston sister-in-law outfit them. Sarah was appointed leader of the Daughters of Liberty who oversaw the boycott of the British goods. She organized a makeshift hospital in Medford for the injured American soldiers. Following the Battle of Bunker Hill, famously Sarah Bradley Fulton acted as a spy, delivering dispatches from General Washington behind enemy lines. President Washington thanked Ms. Fulton for her heroics by making a personal visit to see her at her Method farmhouse, located in the vicinity of Fulton Street, which is named after her following her death. The Marquise de la Fayette also visited Sarah at her home to say thanks. It's also fitting that the city of Method followed the lead of George Washington and Lafayette by honoring one of their own by declaring Sarah Bradley Fulton Day in early October of 2021. Mr. President, we have the distinct honor, um, if any one of the council has any questions, uh, we happen to have um, Sarah Bradley Fulton herself here tonight in the audience. And if any members of the council have any question why we should recognize Sarah, I think the only appropriate person to answer would be Sarah herself. So Sarah, are you in the audience? Yes, she is. Good evening, Good Sarah. Good evening, I be Sarah Bradley Fulton. I'm uh, residing at my farmhouse on Fulton Street. I'm delighted to be here this evening. See all you gentlemen, the lady too, very good, very good. <laughs> Methinks Medford needs a day in my honor. Do yes. you agree? Yes, yes. <laughs> in 1835, it was so very nice of the officials of Medford Town to set aside a street in my honor. And I'm so delighted by that. But don't you think we now need a day in my honor so that people will know what that street was named for? Do you agree? Yes, we agree. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. And if you have any questions, you may ask me. Otherwise, I have to make my way back to the farmhouse. As you may recall, I do have nine children to take care of. <laughs> uh, Council Falco. If I may, uh, thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, 
We also named the schoolhouse after you too. You did? Yes, we How did. I, nice. I graduated from the Sarah Bradley Fulton Elementary School. How wonderful. Back in the 1970s. When? Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's very interesting, yes. Yes, yes, so <laughs> the top of Fulton Street. And, oh, very fine, uh, very my, fine. Many of my aunts and uncles, uh, many of them, that not, they're not with us any longer, but they graduated from that same school back years ago, as did my father, who's... So you live, you live in Medford, then? I do, right? yes, I do live oh, in Medford. Oh, very nice, I actually very on, nice. Very I actually nice. live on Fulton Spring Road. Oh, you do? There's a Fulton Spring Road there now is. also? There is, you are correct. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> I must say I'm quite pleased. <laughs> but I'm so. definitely in favor of uh, having a day to recognize you. Thank you so much, I'm sir. I'm very happy that my colleague, uh, Councilor Marx, brought this I want you to thank forward. him very much. Thank you so much. And do come by the farmhouse, and we have a wonderful rum punch that we will share oh, with you. Medford <laughs> rum, of course. Let's <laughs> see. Uh, the story goes that when George Washington visits Sarah, that Sarah offered uh, George Washington this method punch, and, and he accepted, correct? He seemed to like it quite a bit, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he did indeed. So he was a teetotaler then? Uh, not that night he was. <laughs> no, no, no indeed, no indeed. Okay, but thank you so much, and I must uh, take Council my leave. Councilor Scarpelli. Oh, yes. Thank you, Ms. Wilton. I believe that... I thank you so much. It's nice to have a woman remembered during the Revolutionary War because we were there. We may not have been written in the books, but we were definitely helping. But it's so nice of you to acknowledge all of that. And I thank all of you with my heart. Thank you oh, so don't much. Don't go away. Don't go away. Oh, yeah. yes. Not done yet. Um, <laughs> and I'm uh, happy to let you know I've been a lifelong resident of the Fulton Heights neighborhood. So oh. the whole area around uh, your former farmhouse, we call the Fulton Heights today. Fulton uh, Heights. Yes. Oh. I'm that's so nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, I, you know, I fully support this. I think it's incredibly important uh, that we recognize our history and, uh, you know, a little bit, I think, after your your first uh, work with the Tea Party, Abigail Adams said, <laughs> remember the women. So I think it's very apt. She did indeed know. say yes. that, right. Remember the women, right? <laughs> Thank you. Councilor Morrell. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, yes, the theme of the night, uh, sponsored by Councilor Mark, seems to be remarkable women. So I am all for it, uh, past and present. And I think we need to uh, honor the contributions of many, many more women. So I'm fully in favor of this day. And I thank you for coming out. Your, mic, your mic's off. Could you put a mic? Oh, uh, Pat, the, uh, the mic in the, uh, the podium is off. One second, your mic, your mic went on. off, Laura. There you go. All right, the mic's back Sarah. Sarah. It's a mechanism to speak it. <laughs> oh, I'm not, oh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes. 
Thanks. So, are so, you all done? No. <laughs> uh, president, as president of the council, uh, I thank you for coming down this evening, and uh, thank you, Council Marks, for putting this forward. And I am in full support of uh, naming a day after you also. So th again, thank you for coming Mr. here. Mr. President, Council Marks. If I could, just for the edification of the viewing audience, uh, there's a great uh, story that's on uh, Method Community Media. You can go on at any time. It's the story of Sarah Bradley Fulton, uh, which is the heroine of the American Revolution. Uh, I believe it's 33 minutes long, and it's a great, great depiction of uh, what Sarah did uh, for not only uh, the city of Method, uh, or the township of Method at the time, but also for the entire country, Mr. President. And I think anyone that wants to read up on Sarah or, or view, I think that would be an excellent idea. I also want to thank, uh, you probably don't know her, Laura Duggan. Who? Uh, Laura Duggan. She, she's oh, a, she is? She is. Oh. She's a, <laughs> she's a local historian. Oh. that that uh, does tremendous work on local access and uh, keeping up with Method's history. And uh, you know, you really should pay a visit to her as well. Well, I'll make a note of that. Thank you very much, sir. Yes, very much. So, are we okay? Um, on the motion by Vice President Knight. Second. Seconded by Council Falco. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. The motion is to create the day, Mr. President. Yes. Uh, Sarah Bradley Fulton Day. In October. Uh, early October of yes. this year, Mr. President. Yes. Thank you. We appreciate it. Is that the same rum that Bill Cummings used to sell? What? Is that the same rum that Bill Cummings made his uh, <laughs> fortune on? The, 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 the method rum? Uh, the method punch? Oh, the method rum. We, we had, the method I, punch my... that, that, Bill, uh, that Bill did? Yes, it's uh, quite Council tasty. My husband's a distillery. Yeah. Yeah, worked for this works for the distillery. That's why we had a good supply. And then we use my my grandmother's recipe. It's the best. So if you want to visit me on the farmhouse on Fulton Street, I would be delighted to give you a taste. Thank you. Maybe Thank more you. if you're good. You. Mr. Clerk, call the roll, please. Councilor Bears. Yes. Councilor Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. 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 Yes, yeah, seven in the prayer with the motion passes. Sarah, thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Two one. <clears throat> two one three nine nine. Offered by Vice President Knight. Be it so resolved that the Memphis City Council recognize the American Legion Post Forty Five for its hard work and dedication in the annual coordination of hundreds of volunteers decorating the final resting place for of over eighty five hundred Memphis veterans. In honor of Memorial Day, uh, Vice President Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Um, I think we'd be remiss in not pointing out the hard work and dedication that our friends at American Legion Post 45 have put forth year after year to ensure that the city of Medford is in compliance with General Logan's order. Um, this year was the, uh, the first time we were able to convene since the pandemic. And uh, this is one of my favorite events that we have every year. And I think it's very important, Mr. President, that we point out uh, the hard work that our friends at the Post do. And also a familiar face that was missing this year, uh, John Granara, uh, someone who has led the charge in ensuring that these graves get decorated annually, um, was someone that used to run our uh, annual Memorial Day ceremonies. Uh, he's uh, had some health issues that have uh, rendered him unable to participate in the way that he used to. But when I went out to decorate flags with my family, Mr. President, the first person I saw there working out of the trunk of his car was John Granara with a set of maps, a list of names, who the people were, where they're supposed to go, 
how many graves they're going to be decorating, how much time it's going to take. He'd have chaperones and proctors there to make sure that the work was getting done correctly. Um, even a small little training uh, before he allowed people to go out to, uh, to, to put flags on veterans' graves, Mr. President. Um, so I think it's very important that we point out the work that our friends uh, have done over there at Post 45. Um, anytime that the city of Medford calls on them, they're there to deliver. Uh, if we remember back just a couple of years ago, we weren't able to have uh, the local elections at the Lawrence Memorial Hospital. And uh, the first people to step up were our friends at American Legion Post 45. Uh, the veterans in this community are very active and they deserve to be remembered, Mr. President. Um, and in that regard, I did uh, invite here this evening our Veterans Service Director, Mike Durham, um, to say a few words uh, on behalf of uh, the Memorial Day ceremonies and the efforts that went into getting uh, the city prepared and the, ceremony, the cemetery prepared uh, for that event. So uh, with that being said, Mr. President, I rest my case and thank my council colleagues. I'd ask them to support the resolution and uh, also offer Mr. Durham an opportunity to speak. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. Good evening, Mike. Name and address of the record, please. Uh, Tim, uh, the, Todd, put the, uh, the mic on. There we go. Michael Durham, 85 George P. Hassa Drive. I'm the Director of Veteran Services for the City of Medford. Thank you for inviting me here tonight to say a couple words. Um, I think Vice President Knight knocked it out of the park. Um, the American Legion Post 45 um, bends over backwards every year to mark those graves. Um, you know, our surrounding community, Somerville has as little as 12 flags that they have to put down. The average is maybe 500 at most. Medford is close to 9,000. We're actually at 8,700 this year. And without the dedication of that nonprofit and those key individuals, it couldn't be done the way it is. Well, we don't have the capacity in-house and they really supplement us every year. Um, they reached out in April, like is normal, just to start the planning process and uh, reach out to the community to get volunteers <coughs> and coordinate them. And uh, it couldn't be done without those key individuals and that nonprofit. So. Uh, thank you. That was very well said. Um, if it's okay, may I say a couple words about the 77th anniversary of D-Day? Because uh, that went by on June 6th, and I think it's something that maybe we should say a couple words on. Um, so I jotted down a little speech here. I wanted to take a moment to reflect on the 77th anniversary of D-Day and to thank all the World War II veterans living in Medford for what you sacrificed and what you accomplished. You secured the continuation of our freedom as a people and preserved the existence of democratic governance across the globe. 22,000 allied troops were killed or wounded on June 6th alone. I had the opportunity to speak with former Command Sergeant Major Rock Marin, who parachuted into France prior to the D-Day amphibious landings with the <coughs> US Army's 82nd Airborne Division. He was a private in his company, and by the next day, he was the first sergeant due to losses. He described the fighting as so intense that he and his fellow paratroopers ran out of ammunition that night and resorted to fighting the enemy hand-to-hand -hand with bayonets in the darkness. Since he has, he has since passed, and I was lucky to be able to hear his firsthand account of the war. This opportunity is fleeting for our community. There's still a handful of World War II veterans living amongst us. If you know your neighbor is one, stop to speak with them before it's too late to do so. They are truly the greatest generation. The scope and scale of what they accomplished has never been replicated, and hopefully it will never need to be. But that depends on us as a people. Eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. There are nations and non-state actors across the globe 
whose ethical foundations are diametrically opposed to our nation's ethical values of liberty, justice, tolerance, and inclusion of all under the law. They will not stop until our nation and way of life has perished from this earth. I have seen this hatred of our nation and of our culture firsthand overseas, and, it's, and it is unwavering in its commitment to our destruction. We cannot squander what was won by our greatest generation. It's fine to have disagreements and differences of opinion, and that's how, and that is healthy for our country and our democracy. And competition breeds excellence. However, it is vital to remember that we are all Americans. And we, as a people, have the same fundamental values based off love of liberty and justice. We cannot be blinded by our perceived adversaries when there are so many legitimate and capable foes across the globe who would take advantage of our internal strife. Families fight, but at the end of the day, they're still family, like it or not. Let us honor the sacrifices of our D-Day veterans by remembering that we are one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. As long as that remains true, their sacrifice will continue to be honored. Thank you very much for inviting me tonight. Um, So, Jeremy, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, uh, my children were in the back watching the celebration the other day. And um, when you typically go to a celebration uh, to honor our veterans, you hear a lot of warm and fluffy stories, and deservedly so. But your speech resonated. And I hope if people can see that, if it's played back, I think it's a true understanding what people like yourself and your colleagues that gave their lives to this country. I think Councilor Falco and myself, when we started in school committee, one of the first things we wanted to do is bring civics back to our community, back to the city. And what we're seeing is the basic um, irresponsibility of us as Americans and educators at the time to teach our kids what the flag really means, what the Pledge of Allegiance really means, and why it's so important. And that celebration of the 9,000 flags that are put there and the work that Mr. Granara has done year after year, I think it's something that has to be honored, cherished, and also us, uh, our, our children should be educated because it is important because we don't know where we're going unless we know where we've been. And if people don't understand what our military, what our veterans have done, um, we can't move forward. So I really think that we talked about the separation in our community right now, and I think that's one of the pieces we need to bring together. And I think that your words spoke volumes of why, why we do what we do here. So I think that um, um, I just want to thank you and um, thank you a thousand times over, not just for your service, but also for the effort that you're putting into making sure that the community and the people of this community understand how important the flag is, what, that, what the POW flag means on that pole, and how important it is to this country and the basic rights that everybody, everybody has in this country because of the work that you and your colleagues have done. So um, thank you so much. We should never forget our veterans. And um, 
and again, people should really take time to watch a retape of that speech because it's it, it speaks volumes. So thank you. Vice President Knight. Um, Mr. President, if we uh, look at our packets this evening under suspension, there's also paper 21405, um, recognizing June 6th as the anniversary of D-Day and requesting uh, that this evening's meeting be uh, dedicated to the honor of our World War II veterans. And I just ask that these two papers be combined. Well, uh, what number was that, Councilman? Uh, 21405. 21405. Two, one, We're going to combine those two. Um, you want to speak? Yeah. Thank you, Mr. President, and thank you, Director Durham. Um, I want to echo what Councillor Scarpelli said about the words that you, you uh, the speech that you gave at our Memorial Day remembrance. Um, and, you know, luckily was able to get part of a transcript, share it out with some people that I know, because I think uh, all too often we forget that we've been in the longest war that we've, you know, this is the longest war we've ever been in, the war that we're still fighting right now. Um, and I really also appreciated you bringing to light that there are people coming back who wouldn't have come back before, that, you know, we aren't doing the work to reintegrate them into our society and make sure that they're welcome and they're, they're getting the jobs that they need. Um, so I think that's just a really important thing to put out there. But I also wanna um, acknowledge our World War II veterans. Um, my uncle Bill fought at the Battle of the Bulge uh, my grandfather was part of the occupation of Japan, um, and I'm lucky to that they were they were historians themselves, and they shared those stories with us. Um, and I hope that for the World War II veterans who are still here, uh, people can really hear their stories because that was a fight for the future of the world. And I don't think people really understand what was at stake and what they sacrificed uh, to make sure that we can have elections and we can have democracy and we can have uh, civil culture where we can have those disagreements. So um, thank you for the work that you're doing. Uh, and thank you to Post 45 as well uh, for the work that they did to put the flags down. Thank you. Council Box. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. And I just have to say, uh, Mike, Mike is uh, a pretty intimidating, intimidating person. And you know, when he speaks, Mr. President, I think, as Council Scarpelli mentioned, his his words really resonate um, with uh, at least with me, and I know with the community. And uh, since he's taken over the Veterans Affairs Office, uh, there's been a, a renewed interest in this community, and I really mean that. And I think it's partly due because of your interest and your enthusiasm and your ability to uh, speak on behalf of those that can't speak for themselves. You know, when you, when you think about Veterans Day, uh, you, we hear about the many volunteers, and there's a lot of great volunteers that do it without any fanfare. And as uh, the council has mentioned, they'll be out there in the morning, Council Vice President Knight mentioned, uh, working out of their trunk and not looking uh, for, you know, to speak to a reporter or uh, get accolades. They're doing it because they believe in it. And they believe that we should recognize those who made the ultimate sacrifice, Mr. President. But Mike not only deals with, you know, putting flags out, Mike deals with veteran benefits all the time. Mike deals with veterans that call that are suicidal. Mike deals with veterans that are homeless. Mike deals with veterans that have mental illness. There, there's a host of issues that it, it, people probably aren't aware of, but the veterans office is out there to assist uh, and assist those in need, Mr. President. And you know, I truly, from the bottom of my heart, uh, want to thank you for your 
uh, action as the Veteran Affairs uh, uh, Coordinator, Administrator, and, um, you know, whatever we can do as a community, I hope you're very vocal. I hope you come out and let us know what we can do on behalf of the veterans uh, in our community, any way we can assist. It would be helpful to hear directly from you, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Counselor. Um, so you're aware, in the three years that have been here, we've stopped three veteran suicides, active veteran suicides. Um, jail diversion is an option for veterans. Drug rehabilitation, dozens of people. So these issues exist in the community in great numbers, and we are seeing them. Um, a big thank you to the Medford Police Department um, because they're constantly assisting me uh, and assisting veterans in those mental health crises and jail diversion. And, um, so thank you for letting I was me not aware of that, and I want to thank you. That's, yeah. that's uh, honorable. Thank you very much. Coach Bell. Thank you, Mr. President. And I also want to thank Director Durham for all his hard work. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, we're talking about it now, truly do not realize how much work it, it, you know, happens, you know, in your office and uh, the different programs that are available. And there's a lot of work, a lot of hard work. And I know you're uh, you're very busy. And I thank you for all, all your hard work and, and for the speech that you made on Memorial Day. Um, you know, it, it does resonate with a lot of people. I think it does, you know, um, touch a lot of people. And it, it's important that, you know, that people hear that. Um, you know, and, and thank you to, uh, you know, thank you for uh, Council Vice President Knight for bringing the resolution tonight, uh, thanking Post 45. And it's important that those 8,700 uh, veterans are remembered. And uh, I had the opportunity to, uh, I was actually with uh, Vice President Knight, and uh, we did uh, you know, put the flags down at the, at the uh, cemetery. And it's quite humbling as you walk, you know, among the graves and you're, you're putting them in the ground and it's, you know, literally you have bags and bags of flags, you know, you know, that represent you know, the many uh, residents that, you know, volunteer, you know, that, that were in the Army and Navy, Air Force, Marines, and you name it. And, uh, and many of them, you know, making that ultimate sacrifice. And um, it, when you see that and you see the, the graves and you're walking, you know, row by row, it's, it's amazing the, the dedication and commitment to our, to our country and to, uh, you know, many of the freedoms that we enjoy today, we have because of them. And you, you think about the 77th anniversary of D-Day, and I had the opportunity about 20 years ago to visit the D-Day uh, beaches in France. And you walk down the beach and you turn and you see the cliffs in front of you and you try to, I mean, you can't even imagine that people walking into that and all that fire coming off, you know, all, all, the, all the, you know, you know, just, the fire from the machine guns and whatnot coming. I mean, they were just walking into pure hell. And, and, and you, you think about the, the sacrifice and the commitment that they, that, that they made. And um, it's, it's amazing. It's just, I mean, to be there and to see it firsthand. I mean, you see it in the movies, you see it on TV and the different documentaries, but to see it and you hit on the head, the greatest generation. I mean, I mean to make that sacrifice it's just amazing and, and you know it is truly the greatest generation they should be remembered they'll always be remembered um and you can never thank them enough and i think you hit it on the head if you know a world war ii veteran or you, you know, there's someone in your neighborhood it's important i think that you really talk to them and hear it firsthand if you can um because the sacrifices that were made you know you don't see a lot of that today and it's really a, a special generation um that will 
you know, I think always have a special place, uh, you know, in our country. So I thank you so much for all your, uh, all the, your time and your effort that you uh, uh, put in day in and day out. I know you, you don't have an easy job. It's, it is very busy. And um, I, I thank you for your commitment to the city and I thank you for your service. Absolutely, thank, thank you for having me here tonight. Thank you. Councilor Murrell. Thank you, Mr. President. Director Durham, like uh, everyone, every councilor has mentioned your, your speech on Memorial Day really um, struck me and stuck with me. And I think uh, you have, um, you know, I've heard you speak a few times before and you have such a way of delivering, um, you know, the commitment, the challenges, the reality of, of your experience and the experience of many other veterans that I think is really impactful to people. And you um, highlighted unprecedented challenges that are being faced by today's veterans. Um, and I, I think it's so important, as, as you said then, as you're saying now, just, you know, the mental health issues and really addressing those, um, the unprecedented unemployment crisis, you know, worse than our, our Vietnam veterans when they were returning. So highlighting that and the work that we can do today to support today's veterans, I think is so essential. And I, I thank you for bringing that up. Um, both of my grandfathers are Navy, were Navy veterans, they both passed away. And knowing that there's someone like you um, helping out people like them in the current generation, I think really means a lot. And, you know, even just looking at the, uh, the budget narrative in the budget book, the incredible amount of work you do in such a small department, not just for Medford, but beyond, beyond, um, is something that is so needed, we're so thankful for, and something we should be really proud of. Um, I thank you for raising, uh, you know, talking about post 45. I'm, I live near the cemetery and there is no corner of that cemetery where you don't see those little flags. And I think it really demonstrates just um, the people of Medford have fought and, you know, fought for our freedoms in every single war we've been involved in. Um, and, and the work that post 45 and the volunteers do to honor that and mark that is so important. Um, and lastly, you know, I thank you for, for taking the time to really talk about D Day on the anniversary. It, you know, what again what everyone else said what more can you say about the greatest generation but i think it's um just tremendous sacrifice and i think as we talk about the realities of coming home from war today it maybe um gives us a different framing on what people were facing then that maybe didn't get talked about or often didn't get talked about so um i just i thank you for your time and i thank you for really speaking um so eloquently on all those topics thank you and thank you for remembering some of the details of my speech that really moves me that somebody took that away um the Vietnam fact absolutely blew my mind. I couldn't, I had to double check it. I was like, this yeah. can't be true. But thank you for remembering that. Of course. Thank you. Uh, Mike, uh, 10 years ago, um, then President Mayako made me chairman of the Veterans Subcommittee. And shame to say that I, I knew very little about what your office did. So the following week, I went down there and introduced myself to uh, then Director Ernest Lindsay, who gave me an overview of what the office did, and I, I, I got involved. And but um, one of the best things I did, I, I got involved uh, with, with a good friend of mine, who's probably one of the uh, post from post forty five, Dominic Marcelino, who set me on a path to uh, do good things for veterans. And over the years, him and I have done some you know, pretty decent projects uh, for the veterans. We, you know, with him, myself, and, uh, and other people in the community, we got a house built over for a, a veteran's family who. Who, uh, that was on Channel 5, and they, they, they came down and did a story on it. Um, Mr. Bloomberg, a World War II veteran who hadn't been out of his house three years, for some, we found an elevator for the guy for free. And Chad Murphy and those guys, they, helped, they put it in. So again, um, and then you, know, then you came along and, you know, and I've tried to you know, just, uh, help you out in anything you can do. And again, I thank you for the work that you do. And 
And again, I'm here for you and anything you need from me to continue in service. Because again, veterans matter in this community. They mattered then, and they matter now, and they'll matter in the future. So again, thank you for your work. Thank you very much, President. Um, if I could say one thing, the, uh, there are VA grants to adapt homes, but sometimes, well, oftentimes, they fall short. Um, one off the top of my head, uh, VA Sharp grant. If you're an amputee, they won't adapt your property unless you're a double amputee. So I, th those are the VA rules. Our community has a donation account and we're able to step in. So if you're watching this on TV right now and you wanna donate, you want 100% of your donation to go to Medford Veterans only to adapt their homes, buy their medication, bail them out of terrible situations. We do have that here in the city. Um, so contact my office, I can walk you through the specifics, but um, we supplement outside of what the state does and outside of what the federal government does. And we try to take care of our, uh, our veterans and their survivors here in the community. Thank you for all for what you do. Um, I know veterans are proud that, you know, the baton's in our hands as a nation, as a state, as a community. So now we look to you to provide us the leadership and the mayor um, to come together as a community and move in the right direction. So thank you for what you do. And my door is always open for any help that's needed in uh, any facet. So thank you for having me here tonight. Thank you, Mike. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So on the uh, the motion by Vice President Knight to merge uh, 21399 and 210405, uh, uh, second and by. Second by Council Falco. Mr. Cook, please call the roll to merge the papers. Councilor Bears. Yes. Councilor Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Carviello. Yes, seven the affirmative motion passes. So on the original motion offered by Vice President Knight, uh, second and by. Second and by Councilor Scarpelli. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Yes. 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 Councilor Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell? Yes. Councilor Scarpelli? Yes. President Carviello? Yes, seven the affirmative motion passes. Offered by Councilor Marks, be it resolved that the Method uh, Chess Club, Outdoor Riverside Avenue Park, uh, Sunday Club meetings be discussed. Uh, Councilor Marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Uh, we have a unique opportunity, uh, Mr. President, to join with the Method Chess Club, which uh, began over two years ago um, and uh, they're looking to restart its Sunday outdoor chess club at the Riverside Ave Park, uh, right on Riverside Ave, Mr. President. And the first uh, chess club meeting is uh, Sunday, June 13th. And the club expects anywhere from 20 to 40 people will participate over the next few Sundays, uh, bringing in additional foot traffic, which we all know uh, we need to help assist our local economy and our local businesses. Um, Method is uh, poised, Mr. President, to become a chess haven uh, for New England um, if, if and when we can get these chess players, the best in New England, to come into our community. But we need a little assistance from the city. And originally when this started a few years back, uh, the city was gracious, gracious enough to assist, but now uh, the chess club uh, would like to move this into um, a more advanced uh, atmosphere, Mr. President, where we're welcoming people from other communities, we're welcoming the general public. The, the chess club is looking for four new concrete chess tables, uh, Mr. President, to help assist. Uh, 
that could be used for multi-purposes, not just for chess. They're looking for three inexpensive sunshades, Mr. President, for a day like today when it's 95, and I'm sure we're going to get some hot Sundays. And they're looking for new uh, two-foot-tall family-friendly chess pieces uh, to be available for public use. So this is truly a family-type atmosphere, Mr. President, and welcomes all Method residents to come down. And if you don't know how to play chess, there'll be people there to teach you. There'll be ways that uh, you could join the club, Mr. President. There'll be all different ways you can participate. And if you just want to watch a friendly chess game, I happen to love chess. I don't play it often, but I happen to love chess. And uh, it, it is a great uh, game, Mr. President. Uh, for those to play. They're also looking if the city could pitch in and provide a water spigot uh, on that particular piece of property uh, for uh, larger events. And uh, one person I do want to recognize that got this off the ground and actually got a number of initiatives in this community off the ground, he's always working on some great initiative, is Chris Donovan. And he happens to be here tonight. And I'd like to ask him if he want to just say a few words uh, he was instrumental in uh, getting this up and running, Mr. President, and know the needs firsthand uh, on how to attract uh, to make this really a mecca for chess, uh, which I think would be a great attraction to our square. Uh, Chris Donovan for Lorraine Road. Uh, thank Councilor Marks. I wasn't prepared for this tonight, but it was um, some messaging I sent out to the city and I'm an advocate for the chess club, which is to me an economic engine, a social uh, connection for people. It came out of the wonderful Riverside Ave Plaza that they redesigned and put in two chess tables on their own um, um, uh, cognizance they put in two chess tables i thought was the initiative to get more people into the square because my real goal is historic uh, tourism in our square and our salem street burying ground is a fascinating and incredible place and thank you for laurie duggan and people like that who are putting together some of these initiatives to try and bring medford um, some notoriety from this great history narrative that we have it's been kind of buried so uh, i appreciate that and again for the medford chess club it was a vehicle because I kept seeing uh, international families walking through Salem Street burying ground, looking, looking, looking. We have a wonderful um, memorial to the Royal House and the, the slave families that were buried there and noted as well as John Brooks, a New Hampshire militiaman, Sarah Bradley Fulton, and many, many more. And it's the vehicle when people come off the highway, it's the first thing that they see. Well, Salem Street burying ground, Lydia Mariah Child, and Chevalier. We have the opportunity in the next couple of months and years to showcase that to all the people that will be coming through Chevalier and the Medford Chess Club could be one of those components where as they're coming through, we've had chess sets in some of the storefronts, we have uh, uh, games, we had a simul where one player played 20 different people at the same time in one, we have chess grandmasters around our community that are willing and interested in playing, but the word on the street is it's kind of a, 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 a difficult place to bring family and friends into Riverside Ave Plaza. So there's a little bit of a safety concern some down, down there sometimes for people coming out of the community. But we've had over 10,000 hits on our Facebook page. People from all over the greater Boston community have come to join us and they stay. And they, Colleen's has been a fantastic sponsor. Uh, Mr. Coffee Roasters, everybody wanted to get involved. Uh, Kumon had chess sets in all the different spots. So it was a groundswell of, of volunteerism. Uh, Jack Esley has been a, a, a one of the mainstays down there, one to three on Sundays, provides chess sets for the community. We just like to expand it a little bit more. So thank you for bringing this initiative. I don't know how it develops. Kevin Bailey has been a great uh, a, a, a helper in the past, and they did purchase recently some large-sized chess 
pieces, which is going to be family friendly fun when they figure out how to bring it down there and say, keep it safe. So there's a lot of new things coming out from the Medford Chess Club, but it is a volunteer um, um, ad hoc you know, group, but it's an opportunity to bring chess and diversity and inclusion into our square through the, the families and friends that come uh, are young and old, all colors, all shapes and sizes, and they intermingle so beautifully. So thank you for the initiative, we hope. So if any of you happen to drive by that Riverside Ave Plaza, you will see on a regular basis that everyone uh, uh, goes to the shady area. It's brutally hot, there's no sunshades at all. So everyone just takes the, the metal chairs, which are better than the plastic chairs are there, and they're, they're really great, the metal, and the setup is wonderful, it's just so hot. So everyone goes underneath the shade trees and pulls the chairs there. Why not put four chess sets, four chess tables, still food tables. I see the elderly there in the daytime, multi-use, but it could be redesigned the way that's being used day to day. So that's the initiative and thank you for bringing it up. I just don't know what direction, what group, who's gonna foster that, but that's what we're trying to do um, ad hoc, but the tables would, would be a great Mr. investment President. for the city. Council Scott Bell. Uh, thank you, Council Mark for. But that's going to be a conduit. I'm going to make a motion that we ask um, the director of recreation of the city administration to have the director of recreation reach out to this organization and um, truly start a partnership because this is what recreation departments do around the Commonwealth. It's just not the old recreation days where you're doing park league or you're playing games, but it's more now. It's, it's theater driven, it's music driven, it's, it's driven with STEM and chess. So there's so much more we can do. And I think that that's what makes Method such a great community. There's different avenues. And I think that, you know, uh, in, his, in Kevin's budget, you're talking about simple, simple pieces that even right now you're looking at a few tents that they probably already have, you know, that they can set up for tournaments all the way down the line, you know, chess tables, chairs that are comfortable. If it gets big, why wouldn't we close off that area of Method Square and celebrate it? Why wouldn't we do it, you know, in, in my com community, we were, I work in, we had a group come in and they, we were doing tango. We realized tango blew up. So we decided to close off an area of Union Square and we started the biggest tango event in a neighborhood. And that's now triggered uh, another a aspect of what our community can do. So this is Medford, and, and, and if that's a piece that people love, I think we should celebrate it. And again, I think it's the, the person that's got to bring that together has to be our Director of Recreation. I've talked to Kevin multiple times. Kevin's a great, uh, great uh, resource. Um, you know, we love Medford Square, but why wouldn't we do something at Wright's Pond? Why wouldn't we do something at Tufts Pool? Let's if it's something that's, you know, creates revenue and generates, we have different areas that we open up for restaurants, you know, on the street. Safety is an issue. We look at certain times that we do something special for a chess activity that we can really celebrate in the community. And that brings, like we said, that brings people into the stores. That brings people that play into the restaurants. Colleen's is booked on Sundays regularly. It's filled. Right. It's filled with just our chess, you know, players as a regular thing. And when we have different events, it's really, again, 20, 40 people, always different, always changing. Yep. And Kevin Bailey has been a, a wonderful asset to this community. Right. He's really uh, been interested in any opportunities. But this is great. This is coming from a, a resident. 
We have a communications director who's amazing. She's done great things. She can do great things. Why wouldn't we partner with the communication department, the recreation department, and really start something at Groundswell that we started, you know, every, we all celebrated, didn't we? We talked about Chris Donovan and starting the chess program. We first opened Riverside Park and this is great. And then, you know, the ink dried and everybody forgot. So this is something that's sustainability wise, we really need to get the recreation department involved. So my recommendation would be to reach out to the administration that they can uh, contact Mr. Donovan and the Method Chess Organization so we can really assist in what they really do. I know and, everybody was talking about budget time, everybody gets nervous, but this is low-hanging fruit. This is something And, and that one, uh, maybe a communication to the DPW, this water spigot's down there, yeah. and the grass is starting to fade, and we waited so long for it to kind of come up. If we can just get them to turn it on yeah. regularly and make that part of the routine, because people are hanging out under those trees. It's beautiful, but it's starting to get run down a little bit, so a little push from a DPW would be a great uh, ask as well. Thank you all. Thank you. Council Falco. Thank you, Mr. President. And uh, so if I can amend the resolution, just to have the DPW look into the water spigots to see if they're working correctly, um, just so we can hopefully save that grass if it's possible. Um, but I also want to thank uh, Mr. Dunham for, for all his hard work and you know, collaborating with Medford Recreation and with the business community. Uh, that's, that's- Yes, absolutely. Know, that's, it's great to see that you're going from business to business and actually they're having uh, they have chess sets, I think you said, in each I of I think we've had a dozen people uh, donate chess sets and they went to different restaurants. We pulled them all back in, but we were trying to make it available everywhere for free mm -hmm. and then swap them ad hoc as we could. But uh, it was really, other businesses dove into it. And it's great, it's great to see that. I give you a lot of credit. I know you do this in your own time and I think that you know, that commitment is, is really um, something special that, you know, I hope more and more people get that, that just go out and try to do things on their own and, and try to, you know, make, you know, just make improvements wherever they can. This is, it's great to see Riverside Plaza being occupied and being used. I know I've uh, gone by a few times and I've seen people playing chess and that's always good to see people sitting and enjoying the space. I do have one concern. You had mentioned um, briefly something about safety. Can you comment a little bit on that? There's some people are concerned about the environment down. There's a lot of yelling and arguing and fighting from different people there, and it's it's uncomfortable. But we've had a, a good success at Colleen's because of the heat. Again, go to Colleen's for, for get a break away from the heat, and there's not that situation. So when we are down at the plaza, there is some kind of extracurricular craziness kind of going on that it's noted in the in the community. So have someone maybe so check in. We're planning on Sundays, but it may change according if we don't get the, the weather, you know, figured out. People are looking just to be cool when they come down. But we've really had um, the most diverse intellectual group of people I've ever met down the square from all countries, all races, all they love and they've heard about it and they've, and they've come to that point and I think if we develop it a little bit more it will turn into the new Harvard Square. Thank you. If I may amend the resolution again, uh, Mr. Donovan, thank you for that for, for that feedback on that. Um, but as far as the safety goes, if I can amend the resolution to have, could just have the Metro Police just incre increase patrols in that area maybe and that just to make sure that People, I don't want people to feel that they can't go and enjoy the park. I, I, I mean, I've been by. I, I understand what Mr. Donovan's talking about. I, especially I, with this family-friendly chess set that's going to be out there soon, it's going to be a joy. But we, we just don't want it broken. Exactly. Do, we leave, do we leave it out for the public? Is it coming yeah. in on a time schedule? But information, Council Scott Belly. We're talking to Chief in the past. All sector paths start out of Metro Square, so that is that's not difficult to do. So that's a good recommendation. 
Point of information on that, Mr. President, as well. Um, Mr. President, when we um, voted to repurpose uh, Riverside Plaza, yeah. one of the things we did was we turned Riverside Plaza into a parkland. And the reason we turned Riverside Plaza into yeah. a parkland was so that we had the opportunity to permit it. Yep. Correct. So I think this could be something that's as simple as uh, taking care of being taken care of with a permit as well. Right. With health recreation. Cool. Because they can enforce, if I can, Mr. President, I think uh, point of information with that. The big reason was that they couldn't enforce a public, an open area, but because it's classified as a park now, we can now, uh, they can police that a little bit different. We have a little power with that. So we'd we welcome them at the chess table too. <laughs> and all of us, they win. <laughs> Thank you all. Thank you. <laughs> Council Murrow. Council Murrow. Thank you, Mr. President. I also think just point of, I guess, parliamentary procedure, since this came under suspension, we can't vote on it tonight. It would have to be submitted another another meeting to vote on it since it just came under suspension. It was under the agenda. Just a, I'm fully in favor of it, but just. Of course, do those tables have holes in it for umbrellas? Say that again. Do those tables have holes for umbrellas? They don't. They, uh -huh. uh, but an umbrella, simple umbrella for the summertime could solve. No, I didn't know, I didn't know if, it, if there was a hole in the middle where you can put it in a leaf. There's no hole in it. Yeah. Beautiful ones at some of these developments. They're just spectacular. Some of these umbrellas. So you're looking, like, you're looking like for like a pop-up tent? A sunshade is just a, a tarp over connected to a couple of poles just to break up the heat. But you all know if you kind of sit down there in the midday, it's brutal. It's brutal. There's no break from it. A couple of shade trees are coming, but they're five, ten years away from that. But um, whatever this administration's suggestion would be, I just... I see them commercially, it's pretty pretty common. But we'll get more people in the Riverside Ave Plaza midday, whether it be chess or not. Okay. I did have one question too. Also, I have a Got sunshade I will happily donate if <laughs> it is needed. Um, I, I'm just curious, have you guys, I, I know you said you guys have a lot of interest already, a lot of people engaged. Have you seen an, um, an increase in people reaching out since everyone was trapped inside watching the, the Queen's Gambit and like, buying the chest then? <laughs> I think it's if you build it, you'll come. People see it. it's on, on different social media sites and it's something to do. It's an activity. And uh, again, you would be, be surprised at where people come from to come and find other chess players to do that. And then families of middle schools are getting involved. The, the high school has a program. Medford's not involved in, in, the, in the scholastic tournament, which is called the Spiegel Cup, which is the state's championship. Like it's not even on the radar in Medford. And I go to all the cities, it's part of their not curriculum, but it's part of their, their, their programming. So we'd love to just kind of bring Medford into the fold with some of that. So we do include families and, and yep. reach out, but it's mostly social media and word of mouth right okay. now. Yeah, thank, and thank you so much for coming out to just kind of explain some of the challenges, but also some of the exciting stuff coming up. Thank you. Mr. President, um, Mr. President, I'd like to amend Councilor Caviello's recommendation also uh, to request that uh, the Recreation Department apply for a uh, determination of eligibility grant from the Community of uh, the Community Preservation Committee uh, to see if there's a funding mechanism available there. Um, you know, every so often uh, you're, we have the ability to apply to determine if we're eligible for certain projects and this might be uh, either through the Chess Club or through the Recreation Department or in partnership. Um, file a joint application uh, with the Community Preservation Commission and see if uh, you're eligible for funds through that. Uh, yeah, we're an informal effort. ad hoc group, so anything I think would be done through the city, but thank you. But uh, there's no mechanism for receiving funds, so to speak. But Well, no, I mean, it's just an application to, to see if the city would perform the project, per se, you know what I mean? And um, you guys could propose the project in, in partnership with the Recreation Department. Right. Um, the Recreation Department would um, be the one that promotes the plan, and then um, the oversight and stuff would be uh, handled through the you know, whoever the project manager is that gets assigned to the, the project. I don't think this is going to be something that's 
overly expensive. I mean, no. you know, a couple of tables no. and a tent. I don't think we're looking for uh, rocket science over here. Make sure the water works. You know what I mean? Um, so if the funding is a problem, um, I know we got a lot of money coming in from uh, this Arapa that they're talking about. Maybe that money can be used for that as well. Um, but I think that, you know, the community preservation grant uh, would be a great opportunity for you to plant a seed and then build upon it, let it grow, water it, you know, because um, if it works once, it's going to work twice in a different location, work a third time in a fourth location. Um, you know, so I think it might be worth pursuing. Uh, so with that being said, I'd just like to add that as an amendment to the council's uh, recommendation. Thank you. Any further questions? So on the motion by Councilor Marx, as amended by Councilor Scarpelli and Councilor Falco twice and Councilor Knight, seconded by. Seconded by Councilor Falco. The president motion to uh, put this off the next week's agenda. Woo. So moved. Because this was under suspension. It was also under suspension. Okay. All right. So, Mr. Uh, Mr. Clerk, please no, call no, the roll. It's a formality. Yeah. Come I think it's just a table of that. Oh, no, you got it off the right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm going to put on the agenda. Recommendations tonight, but I'll see what you did. You know, to make recommendations, Mr. President, when I you know, someone from the administration's watching this meeting. We made a number of recommendations, and we wouldn't need a formal vote. But if you know, we'll, we can take a formal vote yeah. next week. I can, Councilor Marks. I can put it on with all the amendments. Put it, put it right on the agenda with all the amendments. That's fine. That's and then, fine. And then, and then it'll be it'll be tracked. We'll yeah, take, a, we'll take a formal vote next week. Yeah. Okay. Chris, thank you very much for your thank service. You. Thank, thank you, you Chris. All. Thank you. Uh, 21389, offered by Council Scarpelli. Be resolved that the Memphis City Council requested administration. Mr. President, I, uh, I hate to interrupt. I just withdraw that, no, that motion. I think that uh, resolution, I think the uh, my absence last week, a lot has been done. It looks okay. like the chambers is open for, open for business, and we're moving on to some sort of normalcy. So thank you. Okay. Uh, 21398, offered by Council Max. Whereas City Clerk Herdeby's three-year appointment by the Memphis City Council ends September 1, 2021, be it resolved that the Memphis City Council meet in the Committee of the Whole to discuss the reappointment of the City Clerk. Councilor Marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Um, as we all know, uh, when we uh, hired uh, Clerk Herdeby's, that uh, we gave him a three-year appointment. Uh, that appointment is coming up uh, this September, September 1st, to be precise. And uh, I think where we have so much going on with budgetary and so forth, I would respectfully request that we meet Mr. President in the Committee of the Whole uh, within the next week or two. Next to, Tuesday night. Next Tuesday night, too. That, that's perfect to discuss the reappointment of the city clerk, Mr. President. Right. So on the motion by, uh, by, Vice, by Councilor Mark, seconded by Councilor Scarpelli. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Council Yes. Council Falcon. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morrell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Carabino. Yes. Uh, seven and four motion passes. And we will uh, discuss this um, on Tuesday before the budget uh, at 6 o'clock p.m. 2141, offered by Council Bears. Be it resolved, the Memphis City Council and the City Administration provide a monthly written report regarding the expenditure of the approximately $37 million allocated to the City of Medford through the American Rescue Plan Act. We have further resolved that this report include a breakdown of spending in the, in the four main categories of eligible expenses. One, response to the public health emergency or its negative uh, economic consequences. Two, revenue replacement. Three, 
investments in water, sewer, and broadband infrastructure, and four, provision of premium pay to eligible workers. We have further resolved that the city administration outline any process underway to encourage public input into the use of the ARPA funds. Councilor Bess. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I mean, I think most of the resolution speaks for itself. The funds coming to the city from the American Rescue Plan Act are a significant uh, investment from the federal government and the city, um, representing you know, almost a quarter of an annual budget uh, that we would pass in a year. And I think we should have a clear accounting from the administration as to how they're spending their, those funds uh, that they're being spent within the, uh, how they're being spent within the four main categories of eligible expenses per the Department of the Treasury. And uh, I think something that many communities are doing uh, with this money, or at least with a portion of it, is having a public input process to determine what are the needs that the public would like to see this money expended on. Um, and, and I'd really like to hear from the administration if they are planning to engage in any sort of public process around this funding um, and what Medford residents would like to see it spent on. I do have one amendment uh, for the clerk after the words city of Medford in the first paragraph, and you can let me know when you're ready. Good. And it would be, and any additional funds provided as part of the Middlesex County allocation. And that amendment um, reflects that 37 million is what was allocated directly to the city of Medford, but because we do not have a county government, we will also be getting a portion of uh, the funds allocated to Middlesex County. Uh, so I just wanted to make sure that that was part Thank of you. this. Okay, on uh, the motion by Council Biz, second and by. Second by Council Mr. President. Council Marks. Uh, just if I could, and uh, I am supportive of this, Mr. President. Uh, the question I had was I, I was approached by a number of uh, first responders in our community uh, stating that there was also grant money available uh, for those that worked as first responders uh, during the pandemic. And I would respectfully amend this to ask if the city has uh, filed for any grants. Uh, that would be out there for uh, increasing uh, salary for first responders during the pandemic. I know there's money uh, in, in this particular um, narrative, but there's also other funds out there that other communities, Mr. President, are applying for. And I would hate to see us not apply on behalf of our police, fire, and EMS, Mr. President. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. If I could I believe that those grants are separate from the 50 million that would come to the city. There are additional money Correct. we could apply yes. for. Correct. So I just want to make that, you know, because yeah. they're, they're, they're very well could possibly use the money within here around premium pay as well. So I think we should apply for the additional grants. Um, hopefully we can have even more money coming into the city. Thank you. So on the motion by Council Bears, uh, seconded by Council Falco, as amended by Council Bears, as amended by Councilor Max. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Yes. Councilor Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Carviello. Yes. Seven for a motion passes. Two one four zero zero. Offered by Vice President Knight. Be it so resolved that the Memphis City Council extended deep and sincere condolences to the family of Ralph Scopa on his recent passing. Vice President Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Uh, for those of us who know Mr. Scopa, he was a retired city employee from the city of Medford, a longtime Medford resident. 
very active in both our community and in politics, Mr. President, and was uh, a devout supporter of President Emeritus Robert A. Mayocco. I can remember uh, standing at the Columbus School holding a sign with Mr. Scoper on one of the coldest days. He must have been 80 years old. And he was there from the minute the polls opened until the minute the polls closed, Mr. President. Uh, uh, an unbelievable campaigner and just a, an, an all-around good guy. Um, and he's going to be sadly missed in this community. He was someone who put his money where his mouth and wasn't afraid to go volunteer uh, with someone that would go out there and get behind the candidate that he loved and supported as opposed to crying and complaining on the internet. Um, he was a throwback to the old days and uh, just a good person, Mr. President, that dedicated a lot of his life to the city. So I ask that he be remembered this evening. Council Scott Belly. Uh, thank you. Thank you, President, uh, Vice President Knight, for bringing this forward. I think the scope of family, again, fits that mold that we've been talking about this past year. And it's been a tough year. It's the people that unselfishly giving themselves to this community no matter what, no questions asked. Um, there were, I remember there were concerns when I was overseeing the recreation department years ago when it was just a summer program that the traffic and the safety of the people going to uh, Tufts Pool uh, they were in jeopardy. But unfortunately, it was tough times financially. Well, the Scopa family, if you know, you know Mr. and Mrs. Scopa, they, they made sure that that area was safe for everybody. And they tell you too that they then took their, they took their passion in, of Medford, they moved out to the high school and started making sure they oversaw the, the, the high school and the grounds when it's being rented. And uh, I still remember in school committee talking about security in Medford. I said, we don't need security in Medford when you have bulldogs like the Scopas because that passion and love in Medford really shined. So again, I thank Councilor Knight for bringing this forward, Vice President Knight bringing this forward. And again, um, it's a challenge to our community who picks up that torch from the Scopa family and then uh, carries on that tradition of community and unselfishness and uh, pride that the Scopa family has shown. So we appreciate everything they've done and he, sh he will be missed for sure. So thank you. Council Max. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. As my colleague stated, uh, Ralph Scopa was a dedicated employee for many years in this community, uh, I believe three decades. And, you know, he treated every street, every road, every area of this community like it was his backyard. And really, when Councilor Scott Pelley and Vice President Knight talk about him, he really had Medford pride. And, and, and that's shown right through, Mr. President. And, you know, I, I think in this day and age, you know, it's nice to have people to step up and say, you know, I, I care about this community. Uh, even though he was a city employee, he did many other facets in this community. It wasn't just regarding his DPW service. He stepped up to the plate each and every time. Uh, and the Scopa family uh, truly uh, are one of uh, the great families in this community. And Ralph will be sorely missed, Mr. President. Thank you. Thank you. Council Falco. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, I remember uh, Mr. Scopa from uh, my days of working for the city as a, as a teenager in high school. And uh, I remember his dedication, his commitment, and his dedication and commitment to the whole family. And uh, my thoughts and prayers are with uh, him and his family, and he will be missed. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, myself, you know, I, I think Council Mark said it right. Um, Ralph took care of the city like it was his own house, or his own yet. And again, you saw him everywhere, uh, dedicated employee again. Um, you know, another, uh, Another icon of community that has uh, since passed away. Yeah. So on the motion by Vice President Knight. Second. Seconded by uh, Councilor Scarpelli. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Yes. Councilor Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Caraviello. Yes. Something for motion passes.
Please rise for a moment of silence. Two one four zero two, offered by Councilor Biz, be it resolved by the Memphis City Council in, in that the administration urgently outfit the Alden Chambers, uh, Richard Lee room room two hundred one, City Council uh, City Council office room two hundred seven, and at least one other public meeting room at Memphis High School with the te technology upgrades needed to maintain remote participation via Zoom in public meetings on a permanent basis. We have further resolved that the city administration provide additional staff training or other resources needed to allow the city council school community and any, in any, in all other city boards and commissions to conduct meetings with remote participation on a per permanent basis. We have further resolved that these urgently needed technology and infrastructure upgrades are eligible for use under AP, uh, ARPA funds based on Treasury Department guidance. Councilor Bass. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, as uh, I think, I was hoping Councilor Scarpelli's resolution we'd talk a little bit about first, we do have a lot of bodies and boards and commissions and the school committee and city council coming back uh, into uh, this, right now, just this room, as it's the only room outfitted for a uh, hybrid meeting to allow participation by the public remotely. Um, I think we've seen the great advantages that's had in terms of engagement and people being able to attend our public bodies. Um, and, you know, we still have many immunocompromised people, people under the age of 12, and other folks who can't access vaccines who are still going to need to be able to access all of our public meetings. So the intent of this resolution is to really push the city administration to make sure that this is not the only space where we can have uh, a Zoom hybrid meeting with the body meeting in person and members of the public participating remotely. I have uh, spoken with Patrick Gordon from Medford Community Media about the, you know, intense amount of work that goes into just making this room work um, with the current technology that we have. Uh, but we've also talked about uh, there being technology out there or at least partially out there that would allow uh, rooms like room 201, room 207, uh, or the room at the high school where the uh, school committee often meets to have the hybrid technology needed uh, to allow these meetings to function more smoothly. I've also reviewed the Treasury Department guidance and uh, spoken with the city administration and, and they agree that uh, the ARPA funding, which does allow for technological upgrades, uh, would this would qualify under that. So really just trying to put um, you know, fire under the administration to get this done. One of uh, the concerns that I know is out there is that now everybody is trying to get this technology. It's the same uh, issue we faced last year when we were trying to set this room up for hybrid meetings. So. We really need to get the funding out the door and make sure that Medford Community Media is able to set this up and that there are folks who are adequately trained to run these meetings going forward. And that's the intent of the resolution. Thank, Thank you. you, Mr. President. Councilor Thank you, Mr. President. I uh, think Councilor Bears for introducing this and I fully support this resolution. Um, I talked with Representative Garbley today and I believe, because um, this is this um, permanent Zoom participation or remote participation is something that Governor Baker is interested in. Uh, Representative Garwilly said it's something that they're actually going to be taking up this week. So legislation may be coming out. So I think it makes perfect sense to try to get ahead of this and really outfit our spaces to um, enable people to engage in this way that um, I think it says in our budget book that community participation in public meetings went up 300 to 400% um, during the pandemic and with the ability to dial in via Zoom. And 
you know, to the to the um, groups of people that Councillor Bears mentioned, but also just people that you know are, are in caregiving positions, don't have childcare, can't come out to City Hall. Just um, making sure we're doing everything we can to keep this remote participation option. So I just want to say, fully support that, and I think we're just you know trying to be ahead of the curve at this point because I think it is something that is it's coming. One information, Mr. President. Information. Um, on, on this piece with the state legislation, um, are we aware if there's any funding attached to this or if this is going to be an unfunded um, mandate that will go through the Pat, legislature? Uh, when I came in, Pat had uh, mentioned that there is, a, there is a bill going through the state house uh, currently right now. I don't, um, I don't know if there's any funding uh, that attached. I didn't see the actual bill. There's no that money to uh, an, an unfunded mandate. Yeah, there's no, no money, no yeah. money in the, that bill? May I be so bold as to make the suggestion that we send this to uh, Director of Community Media to come up with uh, maybe a cost estimate as to what this will cost to retrofit these these rooms? If we're really serious about it, we got to know what it costs before we go any any further than that. Yeah. Find out what it costs, put out an RFP or something, you know. But you want so you you want to amend that to? Um... I mean, think that that's probably the if we want it to happen. That's probably the way to go about it, in my opinion. You want to met with Community Media? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Come up with some type of cost estimate. I expected that's what would happen. Good. So I know I appreciate council and I was going to say the same thing. I think that what we did realize is that through the pandemic, you know, the difficult what was what was difficult for some people was a success for other people. So to get people involved, we supported. I, you know, how I feel. I'm a, a strong supporter of making sure that the first priority is in-person meetings. But having that option, making sure that it's cost efficient, and I think sending that to Patrick and as a professional coming back to us and telling us what it looks like, and even and that's a little homework too, Council Bears. And I know that the the software that's needed really isn't developed truly yet, but seeing what other avenues we can we can work with to uh, make this happen. So um, I would support. I appreciate your resolution, but I would support Council Knight's um, motion that we get a report from. Uh, Mr. Gordon, so we can move forward with some teeth, and uh, that's it. Thank, Thank you. you. Also, Mr. President, um, I know that there are certain criterion outlined in the open meeting law relative to remote participation um, that you know may need to be looked at by our boards and commissions should they wish to adopt this measure um, in the form of probably a training. Um, because I know that there are certain steps that need to be taken by the public body in order to authorize such uh, should the state legislation not pass. Yeah, and I did talk to Patrick around the cost yeah. estimate. Just good. Patrick was able to ballpark it for me. I said, is this going to be a million dollars? He said, absolutely not. <laughs> he said okay. 500,000. He said less than that. So uh, just in terms of a ballpark, uh, tens of thousands of dollars, it seems to be um, just so. Oh, it's good. Yeah. And I, I'm fine asking Patrick to provide a cost estimate. If we could do that at the same time that we're telling the city administration that this is important to us, I think that would be valuable. So that's just my own own request. Councilor Falcon. Thank you, Mr. President. I thank Council BS for bringing this forward. Um, one of the things I'd also like to know is, you know, in addition to a cost estimate, I mean, how long is it going to take to get all of this in, in place? Uh, and the reason why I ask is I know I work with Patrick when I was president of the council and I knew it took a lot of time, effort and energy just to set this up. And, uh, and I'm sure it's probably perfected it by now, but it'd be good to just get an estimate as to how long that will take. So if I could add that as an amendment, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Sure, and just if I may, that's part of the intent here. Right. It will take time. 
the more cities and towns around us that start to do it, the more time it'll take. So if we can be out front, I think that's good for us in the long run. Council Box. You know, what's, what's crucial to make this work is uh, in-house training as well. And I know that's part of uh, the resolution. Uh, you know, to me, tens of thousands of dollars to set this up doesn't sound like a realistic, you know, and we haven't seen anything. That doesn't sound realistic. This is going to take far more staff than we currently have. And, you know, when you add in all the boards, the 40, 50 odd boards and commissions that meet along with the council and the school committee, you're not going to have one person like Patrick running all this. You're not going to have two people, Mr. President. You're probably going to need a half a dozen people to be actively involved. And I'm just throwing that number out there. Uh, th this is a much larger endeavor than just, uh, you know, tens of thousands. I think you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars to have this established, Mr. President. So it's something we need to look at. We're going to be discussing budget soon. If we're serious about that, then maybe that's the time to have the discussion as well during budget. Uh, we just found out what our authority is as a council, Mr. President. And if this is not an item that's currently within the maid's budget, and I don't remember seeing it in the budget we just received yesterday, that we can add this as a, a line item, Mr. President, uh, if need be. So if this is something we're interested, uh, we can definitely have it added as long as we have the facts. Thank you. Any further discussion? So on the motion uh, by Councilor Bears as amended by Councilor Falco and as amended by Councilor Knight. And Councilor Box, did you have an amendment too? Nope. Okay, uh, second and by. Second and by Councilor Scarpelli. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Yes. Councilor Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. President Carriello. Yes, I mean the affirmative motion passes. Uh, hearings. Two one. Okay, two one zero one eight. Uh, the motion by Vice President Knight. You're already under suspension. Under uh, suspension. Okay. Uh, 21018, am amendments to the revised ordinances personnel. Uh, eligible for its third reading. Uh, excuse me, sorry, is that taking its taking third reading? Are ready, correct? No, it's taking first reading, it's been advertised. So, this is this is the third reading. Am I correct? Yes. So, uh, on the motion by Vice President Knight to uh, let this take its third reading, second and by second, second and by Council Scarpelli. <laughs> Mr. Clark, please call the roll. Can't hear you with the mask. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Councilor Bears. Yes. Councilor Falco. Yes. 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 Motion passed. Mr. President, while we're under suspension, we have uh, members of the public that would like to speak under public participation. Uh, okay. Um, the public participation. Okay. Public participation, who would like to speak? Good evening, name and address of the record, please. My name is uh, Rob, Robert Penta, Zero Summit Road, former member of the Sarkis Party. I'd like to read a three-page prepared commentary that uh, I find and feel to be very important. 
It's a, a message from Memorial Day to Flag Day, and it's a commentary to our Medford residents. Memorial Day, why is my, my speakers off? No, it's on. It's on. It's on. Oh. Memorial Day was never intended as a celebration to remind us of the ugliness and the ravages of war, but rather to honor in some solemn observance our men and women, their survivors, and our allied comrades who sacrificed their lives to protect our liberty and our freedoms here at home and around the world. Likewise, our Flag Day observance on June 14th is but an annual reminder of some 244 years ago when the Second Continental Congress, along with George Washington, took a break from their writing of the Articles of Confederation to establish a standard bearer to be the unifying symbol of our colonial fighting forces and for our freedom as our fledging nation was moving forward in its quest for its independence. That is how Old Glory was commissioned to be our American flag. From Memorial Day remembrances of lives given up to protect our America to the Flag Day birth of Old Glory, both symbolizing the embodiment of our right of free speech, we are here today. But in the interim of many years, what has happened in our, to our country, state, in local cities and towns nationwide, especially over the past 30 years in particular. When the politically correct crowd of progressives and liberals began complaining that our public displays of patriotism is offensive to others, and we have to back off such displays, and that we are a systematically racist country as well as a city, and that we need to practice cancel culture, wokeness, defund the police, teach systematic race theory, and being a white supremacist, and accept revisionary history as history's new truth, I take offense to such broad universal commentaries, especially by Washington politicians and self-serving proclaimed educators who have made their living by espousing race is their financial and social calling card for more than the past 20 years. With crime running at an all-time high, illegal immigration crossing our borders, causing ongoing social, welfare, educational, security, and uncontrollable medical problems, we have now become the victims of today's liberal and progressive agenda of inclusion without requirement, without requirement or responsibility. Also, if God offends anyone, then I suggest you consider another part of the world as your new home, because our good God is part of our American inheritance of religious freedoms secure from governmental intervention. And if our American stars and stripes offend you, or you do not like or believe in our Uncle Sam, and you don't have the tolerance for free speech, then you should seriously consider exporting yourself to another country. In conclusion, our First Amendment gives every citizen the right to express his or her opinion. But for those who complain, whine, or gripe, or dislike our American way of life, as well as our city of Medford way of life, don't let the door slam you as you leave because you do 
have the right and the opportunity to leave. We are not a perfect society, but there is no other country that offers more freedoms than our America. So from a Memorial Day remembrance to a Flag Day observation, let not our freedom of thought, speech, and expression ever be challenged by some ideology that bears no fruit but hatred, division, and racism. Thank you, and let our method never be a part of any such movement or agenda. Thank you. I felt, Mr. President and counselors, I had to say that because after being at the Memorial Day service and listening to our veterans director emotionally present before our community that for which a veteran is all about. I feel as a American, I am a white Italian American. I'm proud of it. I am not a racist and I don't intend to be a racist. I encompass anyone and everyone who wishes to express their opinion. And I would hope that our city of Medford does not go down any path that disrespects the fact of who we are as individuals. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the gentleman from uh, East Medford would like to speak. Mr. Castanetti. Yes, Councillor. Can you hear me, Councillor President? I can hear you. Thank you very much. Um, I just wanted to ad lib a few words. I wanted to go back in the meeting and thank the uh, Director of the Veterans Affairs for his wonderful words of, of thankfulness to our veterans, USA. And because of them, we still uh, speak the English language mostly. And also, we still have the Constitution and I believe first, second amendments and, and more. Hopefully we have all of them in place. Um, also, he was very well-spoken. He, he wrote a great speech. He sounded good at, at Memorial Day at Oak Grove last Monday. And uh, it's great to hear someone of his stature speak up for these veterans, including my father. And come to think of it, I don't recollect President Biden talking on Memorial Day, anything to this effect, to thank our veterans. And I want to thank Mr. Durham, especially. Thank you all, counselors. Thank you. Any further discussion on this? Okay. Uh, good evening. Name and address of the record, please. Uh, Bill Giglio on Winter Street. Um, so I am both uh, saddened and upset that the high school, that at the high school, the uh, POW MIA flag at the front entrance has been replaced with a rainbow flag. Uh, the, the POW MIA flag represents over the 87,000 soldiers who have still never made it home while protecting this great country. While the rainbow flag represents someone's sexuality and they get to enjoy the freedoms that these same soldiers fought for. Um, I wrote to the entire school committee the mayor and the superintendent on this, and I only heard back from one of them. Um, I do realize that you guys as a committee have no say on what flies on the flagpoles at the high school, but I'm just using this platform uh, just, just to use my voice um, to whomever makes the decisions to please do the right thing and put back the POW MIA flag. Um, one of the suggestions from the person I did hear back from 
was that another flagpole would be needed to correct the situation. Well, it's a good thing they're in luck because there is an empty flagpole sitting in the courtyard with zero flags flying from it. So I don't, I don't know if the committee can hit, can't do anything about it, but I just find it totally disrespectful that on May 31st, we had a great celebration. June 1st, that POW flag came down and another flag was put up in it. And before anyone thinks anything about me, just because it's a rainbow flag, that's not the case. Like I said, there is an empty flagpole in the courtyard, zero flags flying from it. I really don't think the POW flag should ever come down. And this is probably the third year in a row that this, that the flag, the POW flag has been replaced by the rainbow flag. Um, there's, there's many other flags out there that would never be hung. Uh, you know, we just lost two, uh, two officers over the weekend um, and a thin blue flag would never, and the thin blue flag represents fallen officers. A thin blue flag would never be hung on any of those poles at the high school. That's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Thank you. Any uh, any further discussion on public? Okay. Um, was, you have a new topic you want to speak on. You have a different, a different topic? Okay. Um, yeah, come on up. Come on. Good evening. Name and address of the record, please. My name is Richard Orlando, 13 Winford Way. Uh, I wanted to just update you because I know on May 18th, you had a number of people here who spoke on a subject which typically would be the responsibility of the school committee. Uh, but this body was gracious. I think Michael Marks uh, pointed out that this is a venue for the public to speak, and it was good discussion then. Different opinions, but discussion was had. Last night, I attended the school committee meeting, uh, and there were a lot of people there who I believe wanted to continue that discussion. The meeting uh, started after about a 30-minute executive session. It then proceeded for approximately three hours. There were programs, uh, the strategic plan for the school, some proposals for software, for personnel, et cetera, all of those things, all worthy topics. But the discussions went on, <coughs> excuse me, for about three hours. And as you can imagine, the people in the audience, as time progressed, began thinning out. There were a number of people still left, myself being one of them. As the meeting got past the three-hour point, there was a brief discussion <coughs> on a controversial subject we've heard in the community about the Columbus School. It was a brief discussion on forcing a vote next week at the school committee meeting on the 14th. Immediately after that, the mayor and the school committee adjourned the meeting without opening up the session for public participation. As you can imagine, I was dumbfounded. And there were people who, the few people that were still there were very frustrated, <coughs> but the meeting was ended. And we heard certain explanations from the protocol point of view and so on. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to give you an update. And I think just for you to understand the plight of people who want to speak on issues regarding our schools and school committee, that they're really not being heard or allowed to speak. And uh, that's very sad, given what we've just heard about America, freedom of speech and things of that nature. So thank you very much. Thank you. Any, uh, any, anything else on the public discussion? 
uh, we haven't got that far yet. All right, no, and then what public concern? Okay, Mr. President, Council Marks. Just if I could, and, and I, I think I, I'm obligated to say something on behalf of the residents of this community. I, I appreciate, uh, I've known Rick Orlando for a lot of years. I, I know Rick as a level-headed person, uh, someone that speaks his mind, Mr. President, but also equally listens and hear what other people have to say. And it's very disheartening, Mr. President, when you have a resident that's been in this uh, city for a number of years, active in so many aspects of this community, that feels that his voice is being left out of a process, especially a process, Mr. President, of a public body. That really, really enrages me, Mr. President. I understand they have rules and regulations and they can follow, Mr. President. But when a resident comes up to the podium, whether it's school committee, city council, board of commissions, every resident should have the right, the taxpayer, to ask a question, Mr. President, of their elected officials or their appointed bodies, whether the boards or commissions. Everyone has a right to do it respectfully, Mr. President. And to cut out people, to not allow them to speak, because they may be saying something you don't want to hear, is an outright disgrace, Mr. President. An outright disgrace. And that's what's happened for the past year with this circus that's going on in this community that's dividing us, Mr. President. I've never seen so many uh, executive sessions in all my 26 years of elected office in this community. What's the cloak of secrecy that's going on that you need that many executive sessions, Mr. President? That's what the discussion should be about. If you feel strongly about an issue, own up to it and also allow people to talk. It's when you run from an issue, Mr. President, that makes people believe something's going on that's rotten. And that's what people believe in this community, whether it's true or not. And I don't want to be part of that. And anyone that wants to come up to this podium, whether I agree or not, they have the right to do so. And if we have to take hours like we've done in the past to listen to people, that's what we're here for. And the school committee should be doing the shame, same thing. Shame on all of them. All of them. The whole bunch. For not allowing someone standing up and allowing people to speak at a, a meeting. And not even a common courtesy, Mr. President, when you know there's a number of people on the same issue, to make them wait three or four hours. Shame on them, Mr. President. The people have the right to speak. And they should have the common dignity to say we have a lot of people on an issue here. Let them speak at the beginning of the meeting. Because Mr. Orlando is 100% correct. That's just an attempt to stifle people and weed people out, Mr. President. Shame on them. And people that show up to a meeting. We just talked about tonight about having Zoom and the increased participation on Zoom. What about the participation when someone shows up at a meeting, physically takes the time and comes down, and you don't want to hear them? That's all I have to say, Mr. President. Thank you, Council Marks. Good evening. Uh, hold on. Thank you. Anthony D'Antonio, 24 Hicks Avenue. Uh, come through the chair. Thank you, Councilor Marks. Um, Last night's performance by the school committee was abhorrent. <clears throat> it was terrible. It was disrespectful. That we people sat out here to make a point 
nobody was going to get crazy or yell or scream or anything. We had questions. We had suggestions. We needed to know. We were read the public participation guidelines, and then they went right to this other agenda for over three hours. What an embarrassment this school committee is. I hope in the fall that they're all replaced. Thank you. Any further public participation? Thank you. All right, uh, 21404 offered by President Caraviello. Be it so resolved that the Memphis City Council discuss the report submitted by traffic engineer in regards to High Street. It be it further resolved that uh, the traffic engineer and city engineer be available to dis discuss the issue. Uh, we, but we, I, we have Timmy Given, I see on the call here, and we have um, uh, Todd Blake. Uh, Todd, uh, you you would you would issue a report that uh, I had that I had sent to uh, the other councilors. And if you'd like to go over that report and explain it to them, um, we appreciate it. Mr. Clark, can you unmute Todd, please? Sure. Thank you for having me. Thank um, you, John, for coming. Yeah, yeah, Todd, you, you would uh, you would send me a report, and I uh, and I in turn forwarded it uh, to the other councilors. If you could uh, give us a brief uh, uh, some options on that, we appreciate it. Yeah. So it's my understanding that uh, there've been some concerns about safety, perhaps, and the ability for trucks and others to make navigate the new turns on High Street, particularly at Woburn Street, but maybe at the other intersections as well. Um, and I had reached out, based on those concerns, reached out to MassDOT and their consultants uh, who designed the project to confirm that all the maneuvers at all the intersections, including Woburn at High, will be able to accommodate trucks. Um, specifically at Woburn and High, WB40 trucks, which are typically, you know, the typical size semi-trailer. Um, and then at all the other intersections, um, fire trucks and SU-30s would be accommodated. SU-30 is a term engineers use for kind of a standard box truck. It's a 30-foot truck, but but the typical box truck you would see delivering a lot of types of goods. Um, and, and those turns will be able to be made. At times, you might have to encroach onto, onto the oncoming lane in, in certain situations on the side streets, not on the major street. Um, so I do want to reassure, reassure the, the council and residents that uh, these maneuvers can be made with the current design. I know it may not appear that way now just because it's still somewhat under construction. Um, so after the curb was set and the drums were there, once it's finally paved and finally marked, uh, it may become more clear. Um, the yellow line on High Street is uh, currently the old yellow line. So once the new final markings are there, that yellow will shift over a little bit and it will become more apparent. Um, I hope Thank you. Uh, I, I know the fire chief uh, had gone by there yesterday to, uh, to take a uh, look-see if, if he thought the fire trucks could make it. I, I didn't hear back from him, but, uh, but, I, uh, but I have, um, I've had heard from waste management, they're saying they're having a hard turn, um, a hard time making that turn on the Woman Street also. So again, you know, Tim, you know, the problem is, you know, uh, I understand what the what the actual uh, intent of it was, but um, we also have to take into consideration 
uh, the people who don't uh, drive uh, speed limit uh, drive correctly. That, and, that, and that's that's where my concern is: the people that speed on that street, the trucks that go down there at a at a higher rate of speed. That um, again, you went you went to traffic engineer when when the truck rolled over down on Route 60, a little further down, and spilled thirty thousand gallons of fuel into the Mystic River because it hit the curb and, and rolled over. So again, uh, I I'd hate to see something that tragic happen uh, early in the morning when, when uh, as as those oil trucks get on there. Uh, and to, to deliver gasoline to our gas station. So I would hope that maybe at, at the worst, there'd be a light there. So people can see it, especially coming up there. It comes up on you quick. And like I said, you know, you went by the rotary. Uh, that rotary gets hit half a dozen times a year on Winter Street, and that's 10 times the size of uh, that small island on there. So, um, again, uh, I'll open up for questions from uh, my fellow counselors. Uh, Vice President Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Um, having... Growing up in the area, I grew up on Whitman Road, um, Essex Street, Winthrop Street, Essex Street, Whitman Road, Wuben Street. Um, there we are, two streets away from Wuben Street, Mr. President. And, um, I was looking at um, the number of signs that got, it almost looks like Yale Street High Street right yeah. now. They got so many signs on it. Um, but ultimately, Mr. President, if I were driving home from Medford Square and I lived on Hastings Lane, Austin Road, Walcott Street, well, Mystic Street, how do I get home? I can't take a left turn down any of those streets. So the answer would be, well, go down to the parkway and then turn up from the parkway onto the street. But Hastings Lane has restrictions on it. Mystic Street's a do not enter. Um, you have to go down to Auburn Street. You'd have to go all the way down to Auburn Street, all the way down to the school. Does this make any sense to divert traffic for people that live in the neighborhood to go all the way down to the school, number one? Number two, Mr. President, um, we are seeing the changes that we made at the South and Main intersection. We are seeing now these changes along High Street. We have a significant problem with Route 16, the light timing, Mr. President. So every single morning, every single morning, the stretch of Winthrop Street between the Parkway and High Street backs up almost all the way to Lawrence Road, sometimes past it. On the other side, it backs up almost all the way to the, Winthrop, uh, to the Wuben Street um, split, Mr. President. So in looking at these changes that we're making to traffic patterns, we need, we need, we have to study the impact that it has after the fact. Because quite frankly, the light changing cycle on Route 16 is not fast enough to, or it doesn't happen frequent enough to promote the steady flow of traffic through that intersection, Mr. President. So what you see is someone driving down Winthrop Street and they get to the Winthrop Street Rotary and they say, well, I'm not going to make the light, but I'm not going to sit here either. So let me pull up and block the intersection. Or you see someone coming down High Street that doesn't want to turn down Winthrop Street and keep going Winthrop Street to Tufts University. They want to go onto Winthrop Street and then turn left onto Route 16 to get on the highway. But what happens is the car on High Street blocks the passing traffic lane. So nobody from Winthrop Street can go straight down Winthrop Street. It, it's a nightmare. It's an absolute traffic nightmare, Mr. President. I don't want to get into the last 10 years of traffic nightmares that the people in this area have had to deal with due to the simple fact that we've had construction going on uh, between the Craddock Bridge, the Winthrop Street replacement, and the Eversource project. Um, so with that being said, Mr. President, I'm glad we have Todd on the phone um, because I'd like to see what the plan is in terms of looking at the timing of the light cycles uh, throughout this whole stretch. I mean, ultimately, we make these changes, but then there's never any follow-up in terms of what impact it has on the traffic flow as a whole in this community. Um, you know, for a very long time, we've been making knee-jerk reaction responses to traffic situations in this community. But um, to put a no left-hand turn sign on the five streets, 
coming up High Street when those streets, all the people that live on them is crazy to me, Mr. President. You're one of them. You're one of them, Mr. President. Um, <laughs> so with that being said, Todd, maybe you can shed some light on that. Um, I might appreciate it if you could. But um, I, I definitely think that we need to perform some type of traffic study to to look at the impact that these changes have made, number one. And number two, figure out a way that we can lessen them so the people in the area that have to get places can move down the roadway and not be trapped uh, through an unpassable situation. And so we also lost the bus stop. They took a bus stop, they took a bus stop out of there too. Yeah, so um, the, the no left turns, I believe, was Massa's way of trying to simulate what Medford already had in place, what was already existing on those side streets. So the side streets uh, before this project came around had do not enter except residents seven to nine from High Street down to Mystic Valley Parkway. So well, no left, but those are no left turn, which is different than do not enter because when Mayor Burke put those signs so, up. So if I can interrupt, if I can interrupt. So if, if I'm coming down Route 16, I, I can't turn onto any one of those streets either from Route 16. Those are all do not enters. Uh, there. So I so again, you have to go all the way down to Auburn Street, no matter which way, whether you're on Route 60 or you're on Route 16, you got to go down to Auburn Street to turn to get on the high street or, or get get to one of those side streets, where, particularly where I live. So again, Councilman Council, that is right. This, in, the no do not enter is one thing, but the no left turn is another. Um, because when Mayor Burke erected those resident-only signs, um, there was a lot of discussion about who who's considered a resident and who isn't. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was addressed and discussed. Same thing when it happened up at Jim's Market when they put those signs up. That was addressed and discussed. And it was residents are residents. Residents can go down the street. Now, you can't even take a left turn as a resident on the street. Never mind a resident in the city, a resident on the street to go home. Um, so I think that that's a problem. And um, quite frankly, I've spoken with people that live in the neighborhood, not Councilor Cabiello, actually, but I've spoken with people on Hastings Lane. I've spoken with people on Austin Road. I've spoken yeah. with people on Walcott Street. And all of them say the same thing. How am I supposed to get home? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's probably a nuance between the way the city would handle something and the state. The state doesn't necessarily um, support or endorse the except residents. So that's what their equivalent restriction would be, the no left turn seven to nine instead of the do not enter. When, when, that's all well. What's the solution, I guess, is the question here. That's all well and good. But what's the solution? Yeah, what, what's I mean, the none, solution of, none of these this? residents have been um, contacted about this. You know, the, all of a sudden, they're just, they're just getting it. Uh, so what's the solution? Can the signs come down? We Jim, can the signs come down at some point until, until we get a resolution on this? The answer is, I guess we could revisit it um, and see what, what we can what we can do working with our state partners uh, once the project's complete. So in essence, it sounds like we sold our soul for this million dollars and we have no control of what's going to happen on the roadways that we that these residents live on? Well, we have control of the, the local side streets that, that are outside the limits of the project. So, um, you know, I, I do I do hold hope that we'll find a solution for everyone involved. Um, in terms of the other aspects of the project, I think it's, you know, has a lot of benefits to uh, improve pedestrian atmosphere, bicycle atmosphere and things like that. And it is actually supposed to improve safety and hopefully encourage slower speeds to get to the points earlier about the high speeds um, by by narrowing the lanes and, and areas, but still able to accommodate trucks. Uh, the hope is that the safety will improve 
uh, for all, for vehicles, pedestrians, and cyclists. So, um, you know, the, those are the true intents of the project. Um, and we do believe it will be successful in that regard once it's all said and done. Just the president, if I may. Well, what I see happen is, happening is people are going to come up High Street and they're going to get to the fork in the road and they're going to say, all right, I can shoot down Winthrop, uh, down Wilbin Street now and then I can catch the top half of Walcott and then I can shoot across High Street because going straight across isn't a left turn. So now what we're doing is we're diverting traffic into the residential neighborhood as opposed to keeping it on the main state controlled truck trucking route. So was there any discussion of removal of the bus stop also? I don't remember any, uh, any discussion or any notice of the bus stop being uh, uh, deactivated uh, on, on the corner there. Mr. President. The project in the MBT reached out to us regarding the potential removal. Um, the MBT claims that they have the authority to remove versus move to remove on their own. But we, we had pushed back saying that we wanted to notify the public to make sure that there's any, you know, anyone that, particularly anyone with needs that needs that stop versus another stop. Um, based on ridership, the MBTA made the argument that, or the case, the reason why they're removing it is because the nearby stop has a lot of ridership in terms of ons and offs. And that stop had much fewer and they were so close together. Um, but we did push back and say we want some notifications. So they posted a sign on the post itself saying, you know, please contact either the city or the state uh, regarding, you know, if, if um, you have any questions or concerns about this removal. Information, Mr. President? What information comes on night? Um, is that considered a reduction in service? The removal of a bus stop for the DOT or the, the, the MBTA? Um, so, some of their policies suggest that consolidation of stops actually helps this i'm just repeating what they say it helps um on time performance by not requiring the bus to pull over every block or so in their in their in their preferred bus stop um spacing they prefer it to be at roughly 1200 feet between spacing so in some cases like this it may be more like 500 feet or less and it may be you know one block versus several blocks so in terms of on-time performance and, and um, you know, adhering to schedules, they, they have this thought that the more the bus pulls over, the more delay, which will make it not on time. So they look at ridership and ons and offs at each bus stop. So if one bus stop nearby has 100 people getting on and off a day and, and another has less than 10 people, they'll sometimes look to consolidate the one that has the less than 10 people, especially if it's very close to one another. I understand that, but does that correlate to what would be considered a reduction in service? I guess that would be open for interpretation. I, I don't believe so. The uh, one silver lining here is that you gain a parking space or two back when they do remove a stop. So I, you know. Present. Uh, I, I thought there was going to be no parking in that side of the street. The north side, uh, in that, the one that I know of that's being removed there is parking on the north side in that area. How's Scott Billy? Uh, thank you. I, I know Todd, uh, thank you for answering these questions. I know that uh, I'd like to make a, uh, uh, make a motion that we contact uh, our partners, the MBTA. Um, I didn't get one, I didn't get two, but I got a few more phone calls from residents in the neighboring 
streets that have brought this this issue that have MB, they wanted to know why MBTA buses are driving down side streets in that neighborhood. Uh, and I didn't believe it. I said, no, maybe there was a detour. Well, this past week I was driving, uh, coming home and it was about six, seven o'clock at night. A little, little bit later it was dark. And I realized coming down Lawrence Road, there's an MBTA bus in front of me. And he, that, that driver was, they were going pretty quick, out of service bus. But I think this, I think it's time that we call. I know that as a chairman of the subcommittee of transportation, um, we could do subcommittee, I asked for a subcommittee meeting, but there, there are some issues that we're seeing right now, especially in that area with the MBTA and our community that we need some answers. So um, I make that form of a motion that we call for a subcommittee or committee of the whole meeting, whatever this council prefers, because uh, before somebody gets hurt um, with what's going on in that, that area with the changes and MBTA buses going down side streets, um, pretty narrow streets, by the way, um, before somebody gets injured, uh, public safety should have some answers. Thank you. Council Scott Clay, where this is uh, under suspension, uh, this will be, be put on uh, next week's agenda. Any further discussion? Any further discussion? Mr. President. Council Max. Uh, Mr. President, I want to thank uh, Todd. Uh, you know, I know there's a lot he's working on in every part of the city. So I, I really want to thank him. He's, he's like a, a one-man uh, team. Um, but Mr. President, every year this community pays uh, an assessment to the team that comes directly off our cherry sheet that comes from the state. Millions of dollars we pay for MBTA services. And as Council Vice President Knight mentioned, when they start eliminating bus stops, when they start eliminating uh, bus routes, like the 325 and the 326, that in my opinion is a diminishing of bus MBTA services in our community. Nowhere else, Mr. President, would you get a diminishing service and pay the same or more for an assessment. It makes zero sense, Mr. President. Right out here in back of City Hall, they have bus stops where they idle their buses, the MBTA, on city-owned property. City-owned parking lot, Mr. President. The MBTA has practically use of that parking lot out there. I don't know what's going on, Mr. President, but this community needs to stand up. And if it's a matter of holding back some money from the T-assessment to get them at the table and to negotiate with the MBTA regarding what's going on regarding uh, service and so forth. That's what needs to be had, Mr. President. This has been going on far too long. We need leadership in this community to stand up and say, we're not going to tolerate this anymore. And that project on Winthrop Street's no different. When that project came out about a year ago, Mr. President, I know we we're all vocal, but I mentioned it a year ago that we're going to lose control of what happens on that particular road. And when we see we're going to lose parking, Mr. President, then when they talk about putting uh, a bike a path to nowhere, those are <coughs> questions that we raised that fell on deaf ears, Mr. President. And now you see a project that we have little say in, right? I mean, uh, we heard uh, uh, Todd Blake mention it. This is a, a state project. We have very little say. The chief executive officer has to bring these state agencies to the table. We can't allow them to roll over us on behalf of the residents. And Council Vice President Knight's a thousand percent correct. 
when he said you're diverting traffic into the neighborhoods. And that's exactly what's going to happen. You're taking them off a major thoroughfare that's set up for this type of traffic, and you're putting them into our neighborhoods, Mr. President. That's not set up. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. President, I'll be brief. Um, and I just want to thank Councilor Mark for his comments. Uh, we have, I think, many issues with the MBTA. Uh, I know I received, um, in addition to the, the issue that's going on um, on High Street, you know, we have issues with the 325, 326 that I receive calls on constantly. Um, so if Councilor Scott Pelley wouldn't mind, if we have a committee to hold instead of a subcommittee, I just think it should be a broader discussion with regards to the MBTA and the services uh, that they uh, provide here. Well, I should say the lack of services. Um, so I, I would appreciate if we can move that. We'll make that a committee to hold. Mr. President, yes, if we could have the 710 bus as well. So that's right. Correct, yes. That, that was also uh, canceled. Uh, uh, that's important part to the, the people who live in Fulton Street. That's their only uh, means of transportation. Uh, <laughs> Pat, if you put on the uh, podium. Good evening, name address of the record, please. Uh, Robert Penton, Zero Summit Road, Method Mass. Uh, I, I have some, Mr. President, this is our third time we've had this discussion on this high street project at the corner of Wolverine and, and um, Hastings Lane. And I'm a little bit disturbed uh, and, and recognizing that um, Mr. Blake, who I've never met, I'm quite sure that he's uh, proficient in what he does, but he makes a comment in his response to you by saying fire trucks may have to use the entire opposite lane to make the turns. And by doing that, Mr. President, what you are doing, you are exposing the city of Medford to a tremendous amount of liability. And if the city is going to go forward and leave that island there, then it should be part of the official record here that the Medford City Council does not support, but rather condones the fact that that island can now cause a potential hazard to the city of Medford's liability. We've spoken to MBTA buses. There's no mention in here on the extra long tankers that carry gas. The other day, coming down High Street toward the Turtle Circle, there was a, a, a bicyclist there. And you know those trucks, once they have that weight, they're moving. And he was beeping the horn because the bike was just taking his time going through that little pathway there. So all I can say is it's there, it's in writing. And the city council now has an, if you're really strong in this position, and I think you are, you have an affirmative position to make by way of a vote that the city of Medford, the Medford city council opposes that particular island that's put there because the acknowledgement from your own traffic commissioner says the fire trucks might have to go on the complete opposite lane to make its turn. What about a car coming the opposite way? What about the bump out that's over there? What about the second island? What about the, 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 the bump out that's in front of the house, in front of the man's driveway, in front of the Brook School? It, it makes no sense at all. And go further down into West Method on the corner of High Street and Sagamore Ave. Look what they already have penciled out there. It's out to the middle of the street almost. These aren't traffic calming. These are traffic accidents just waiting to happen. And you've got to understand the route traffic and the type of traffic that's on those routes. 
I think you brought it up last week, Mr. President. A truck going up the hill, they've got to pick up the speed to get up the hill. Look at the buses. What are you going to do? And right there at that intersection, there's a bump out there, which makes further no sense. So I don't know, Mr. Blake. Like I said, I've never met you and I don't know you. But I don't know how you can put in writing that a fire truck can go in the opposite lane to make its turn if it has to because of an emergency. You are now indicating that the city is exposing itself to a liability. And if that's what the state is going to be doing throughout the rest of the city with these locations, with these pump outs, causing problems with side streets because a, a, a bus and cars cannot be going down there, what are we getting all this money for the state for if the city has no input into providing common sense use of the money? It's a damn shame that we have to be discussing, you folks have to be discussing something that common sense tells you by just going there and looking at it. And you can paint and stripe the streets all you want with your yellow lines. You're not going to get rid of those islands. And you're not going to get rid of the fact that coming up or going down in a winter's day storm, and if there's ice in the road, and if there's an emergency that has to take place, somebody's going to get killed here. And you already have it now in writing. Your traffic supervisor has now told you in writing that a fire truck can go in the opposite lane if he can't make the turn. What does that tell you? What does that tell you about the Commonwealth of Massachusetts coming in here, trying to tell the city of Metro, we know what's best for your streets? Tell them to take their money back and mind their business and let the city of Metro, through its engineering department and through citizen input, Take each section one at a time to realize what it is. You know, it's all right for somebody to come in here and tell you what to do. But it isn't all right for you to tell them, tell them, possibly you maybe made a mistake. You haven't thought this out correctly or possibly. Mr. President, you're the president of this council. The six of you, you make seven. I would strongly, I strongly advise and suggest that some one of you, if not all of you, put a resolution on indicating that you do not, you are against, and you don't accept the fact that that island in the middle of High Street, Reuben, Hastings Lane, serves in the best interest of the city of Medford. If anything, it does not serve in the best interest. And you have, you have the letter from your own traffic supervisor who says the same thing. Traffic consultant, excuse me. Thank you. Uh, Tim, did you want to weigh in on this? I believe, I believe Todd has, uh, has said uh, what needs to be said, oh. and I believe he's muted as well. <clears throat> I said I believe Todd has um, said what's need to be said. Um, I don't have much to add, but I believe he's muted at the, at the moment. Todd, did you want to add anything to this? Todd? Hold on one second. Hey, how's Todd? it going? Yeah, I was okay. muted again. Sorry about that. Um, I had a mute on my end, and then I couldn't unmute. So I just wanted to clarify something. I appreciate whatever anyone says and, you know, and, and wants to add to the situation, but I just wanted to clarify something. So what I read earlier was a quote from an email received by the traffic consultant that designed the project for MassDOT. And I just want to clarify because it's a little bit, I think a little bit confusing at Woburn. So Woburn, this is a quote now, Woburn Street was checked and can accommodate WB40 trucks for all turns. So WB40 truck is an 18 wheeler, a 45 foot 18 wheeler. So that, in that case, it does not need to encroach. All the intersections 
all the other intersections can accommodate fire trucks, but may have to use the entire opposite lane. Um, all turns and bump outs are checked to accommodate. Vice President Knight, is the intention to divert 18 wheeler trucks down Wilton Street? No, not at all. So, so people are saying that they believe it's too tight, correct, with the median and, and the new bump out there. But what the consultant and everyone else is saying, it's not too tight. A truck could go east-west on High Street as it should. And if a vehicle of a large size needed to go on Woburn, like a trash truck or fire truck or whatnot, it would be able to make it because it's a smaller truck than a 18-wheeler truck. So, so the turns can be made at Woburn. Is that more clear? Thank you for your clarification. All right. All right. Well, again, this is, this will be back on the agenda for next week because uh, it is under suspension, and we will uh, any further discussion will be had again next week. So, thank you. All right. So, we have a hearing left in the budget case. Hearings two one one nine zero legal notice city of Bedford Bedford City Council chapter ninety four zoning. The Memphis uh, City Council should, shall conduct a public hearing on Tuesday, June 8, uh, 2021 at 7 o'clock p.m. via Zoom remote video conferencing relative to a petition by Mayor Brianna Lungo-Kern to amend Chapter 94 zoning of revised ordinance City of Medford, Section 94-35A to change the structure of the Memphis Zoning Board of Appeals from three members and one associate member to five members and two associate members. The full text of the amendment may be viewed in the office of the city clerk, um, if it's city over 103, or on the city's website, uh, uh, on current CD board filings. Zoom link will be, be, be posted no later than June 4th. Uh, so, Mr. Clerk, uh, well, this is a hearing. We, uh, I think, uh, I think we, we missed the date on this. We did. That was an we error. Missed the date. It was so error we, my date. Uh, we're going to have to refer it back up to the OCD board for them to send a uh, reapprove it and send it back to us. That is correct. Okay. So we have to make a motion to do motion that. Motion to refer back, Mr. President, to the Office of Community Development. Uh, the motion by uh, Council Mark, second and by. Second. Uh, Mr. President. Um, Vice President Knight. I just ask uh, that we also uh, simultaneously send this paper to the city solicitor and ask her to uh, provide us with an amendment uh, that would outline the creation or establishment of term limits for members of the Zoning Board of Appeals. Okay, uh, so on the motion by count, uh, by Council Marks is amended by Council, uh, Vice President Knight, seconded by Council Scarpelli. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. You want that done before we send it or? We can do it simultaneously. Do it simultaneously. It's going to come back to us anyway. So I'd like to have, because uh, we're going to have to open up our public hearing. So I'd like to have the um, paperwork from the city solicitor when it's right. time. They're going to come back pretty quickly with their recommendation, right? Because right? they've already voted on it. Right. That's, yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to send the paper to the solicitor as well so we can get it back. Okay. The, the Provided that my colleagues agree. Until July. July? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> they're going to have they're going to have to add well i it's it's too late to advertise it for the june meeting they're going to have to advertise it for the july meeting okay. so that's something okay mr Scott, please call the roll <coughs> council bears yes council falco yes vice president knight yes council marks yes council morell yes council scarpelli yes president carabiello yes 73 most passes uh communications from there 21403 um 
Dear Mr. President and members of the City Council, pursuant to Master Law, Chapter 44, Section 32, I respectfully request and recommend that the City Council approve the proposed fiscal year 2022 budget as submitted. The total submitted appropriation for all departments, including schools, is one, <coughs> excuse me, $191,779,642. Account details are included with, within the budget presentation, which is available electronically in an interactive and searchable. To waive the remainder of the reading, whereas we have budget hearings scheduled for Wednesday and Saturday. Uh, the motion by Council by Vice President that we waive the reading. Uh, and refer the paper to Committee of the Whole. We'll make it a double motion so we only and, have the yeah, whole. And once. refer the paper to Committee of the Whole. Second. Uh, double motion. Third. I'll give it a third. So on the motion by Vice President Knight, uh, seconded by uh, Council Scarpelli, can we refer this to a committee hall, which will be starting on Wednesday? Um, Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Yes. 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 Motion passes. Um, reports of committees. Mr. Clerk. I think so, yeah. It's the same thing. I'm Reports of committees, 21392, June 1st, 2021. Committee will hold the report. Uh, this was to review a open meeting law complaint. Motion to approve this. Move approval. Uh, motion by Council Bear, seconded by. Second. Second by Council Morrow. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Council Bears. Yes. Council Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morrell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Carabiello. Yes, seven for motion passes. Two zero five six eight, June third, uh, two thousand twenty. Committee of the whole report to follow. This was the continuing zoning report with uh with Mark Rabowski. Motion by Council Scarpelli to approve, seconded by Council Bears. The clerk, please call the roll. Council Bears. Yes. Council Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morrell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Carabiello. Uh, yes, motion is approved. I think I got everything in, Mr. Clark. For records. The records were passed to Council of Falco. Council of Falco, how did you find those records? Thank you, Mr. President. I reviewed the record. They appear to be in order and I move approval. Second. Seconded by on the motion by Council of Falco. Seconded by, by Council of Bears. Mr. Clark, please call the roll. Yes. Yes. That night, Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morrell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Carabiello. Yes, seven is remembered the motion passes. Motion by Councilor Falco to adjourn. Seconded by Vice President Knight. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Councilor Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morrell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. President Carabiello. Yes, seven is remembered the motion passes. Meeting adjourned. See everybody tomorrow night.